0: Hello, Tim Bellpot listener. I just wanted to throw out a bit of a disclaimer that these early episodes, we were still figuring it out and we got better in pretty much every way. Definitely audio, storytelling, joke telling, research. So, um, you know, maybe start with episode 20 but if you still want to see what the growing process was like for us, continue listening to these early ones because I could see all oh, that's fun. But um, just know it gets better. Hi, guys. I just wanted to let you know that since the last disclaimer, we've gotten so much better at making disclaimers. Like, for example, um, this one has lasers. This one has some dinosaurs. I even talk
1: like a robot in this one.
0: And if you want to listen to an episode like without any disclaimers, I would say um, maybe like 27, I think Bruiser Brody, I think that was like the first episode where we figured out kind of, oh, this is what we do. So yeah, no disclaimers on that one. Um, I mean, you can listen to this old ass episode. I wouldn't, you know, (laughs) and I fucking wrote it and edited it and researched it and all right, well. Uh, Enjoy this episode.
2: this is the podcast that i've wanted us to do since episode one it's pretty exciting this is this is the re- whole reason i'm here And matter of fact after this one happens i cannot be a part of this anymore oh. just to let you know like
1: so just me and nick from here on out yeah it's no
2: longer splitting it three ways you're splitting it two ways now uh, so. and then
1: we're not gonna get the wrestling perspective it's just gonna
2: be two more white <laughs> guys talking
1: about fucking wrestling oh. just give us george south's phone
0: number
2: <laughs> listen listen <laughs> if if you're trying to keep this this podcast under an hour george shortstop is the last person you want to call unless you want the voicemail to tell you no like that's the only. hey george what do you think about this guy ah awful which is, usually, which is usually the feedback on most of these it's entertaining
0: i can deal with that
2: okay
0: all right welcome to 10 Bell pod i am nick alexander sitting next to me is michael loving it is true and across from me is Mr. Elite himself, <laughs> the Man Scout, Jake Manning.
2: Which, which is funny that you say, Mr. Elite, because when I met our, our subjects uh, of this podcast today, that's what my name was. So oh, that's they, I did not know that. So yes, I was yeah. I was wrestling as Mr. Elite at that time when I when I met our t- wrestler of discussion. We
1: really today. just have the coincidence. That's, yeah, that's, I don't know. It. It's We it. <laughs> out all right.
2: Up
0: front, I want to say thanks to everyone who's been listening so far. Uh, people have said some nice things on the internet. Yeah, which... it
1: feels like the first real episode because now we actually have a pot, an episode out. So now it's real and it feels weird. You're breaking kayfabe.
0: We record <laughs> these week of and release them the next day.
2: Yeah. M- m- mere minutes before they're released. Oh, yeah, right, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. Bad, my there's bad, my bad, my no, bad. There's no stockpiling. <laughs> no blading. No, none of that. Kayfabe.
0: If you like the episode, subscribe to us on however you listen to podcasts, and uh, give us a good rating, or tell a friend. That'd be cool. Um, As long as people keep listening, we'll probably keep doing them, maybe. Who knows? All right.
1: (laughs) What is the podcast? What are are we doing here?
0: uh, We're going to go through the life and death of pro wrestlers, and today we are talking about NWA champion kiss mega fan the guy who needed no gimmicks chris candido
2: Woo! my absolute favorite requested it from the get-go when you gave the whole list of people i was like chris candido number one that's my list that's a, there are no other people on the list it's
1: true jake was like i got tons of stories i got tons of stories and we were very happy because that means we didn't have to do that much for this episode
0: so we're <laughs> just like hey
1: jake take over mm-hmm chris's story has
0: everything to make a great telenovela romance betrayal (laughs) balls mahoney (laughs) all the ingredients are there Mm -hmm. so uh let's just let's just do it chris barrett candito was born march 21st 1972 in edison new jersey he died april 28th 05 fun fact march 21st is my birthday so now you just need my mom's maiden name, and you can open up a little credit card. Nice. Um, now, uh, everyone describes Chris as someone that lived, breathed, ate, sleep, drank pro wrestling. Uh, he loved it more than anything in the world. And uh, Candido was the grandson of WWWF wrestler Popeye Chuck Richards. I think you missed a W. Uh, I don't, there's so many Ws. But uh, Popeye is who Chris attributes his love of, of wrestling to. Uh, He'd go on the road with Popeye at eight years old, and Chris said his grandfather showed him wrestling basics as early as nine years old.
2: In the living room uh, of his house, if the story is told from Chris Candido's perspective, they used to move the furniture aside and put him in a headlock and teach him how to sell and all that stuff. Like there's a lot of people that that when they talk about Chris Candido, they always bring up his love for his his grandfather Popeye. And and like if you got him on, if you caught Chris, like hey, I I remember seeing a match with your grandfather Popeye. He would go on on and on and on and on and on and talk about him, how much he loved his grandfather.
0: I never met my grandfather, so I don't have that. Aww. So no one taught me to wrestle, so I do a podcast about it. Well,
2: my, my grandfathers were a good basketball player, and oh, I'm nice. the worst basketball player of all time. So, you yeah. know, it's not transferable. I'll just let you know.
0: At 12 years old, Chris even put on a do-it-yourself wrestling show in his hometown that Popeye Reft and Bam Bam Bigelow was on that show. Nice. And Come that was it. the first time he ever oh. wrestled To an audience, although we're still going to say his pro wrestling debut was Studio 54, which you can hear about on episode one of (laughs) Tin Bell. Uh, As a teenager, Candido and his friend Jonathan Reckner, who is Balls Mahoney, began working for professional wrestling promotions in New Jersey, helping set up ring. So uh, he was on the right right track because I've been behind the scenes enough in wrestling to know that 95% of wrestling school is just setting up various rings. My right, Jake.
2: Well, full circle again (laughs) is how I got on a wrestling show with Chris Candido. Is I set up a ring at a wrestling show earlier in the day, and I got on the same show as Chris. So, full full circle. That's that's
0: pro wrestling school. Tuck your chin, set up some rings, debut on NXT. That's how you do it.
2: (laughs) At least today. At least that's uh, at least that's how it's done.
0: And uh, Candido and Balls Mahoney would start training at Larry Sharp's Monster Factory with Chris only being 14 years old. How old were you, Jake, when you did it, when you started?
2: Oh, I was a late bloomer. I'm trying to think. It's I've been in it for 15 years now, so 20, 21? That I was going to lie about my age. I'm like, you already <laughs> said 20, <it's my laughs> asshole. I'm going to say 2012. Yeah. <laughs> I man. was 12. I was 12 years old. I was 12 years
0: old. Some of his uh, peers in his wrestling school would be Bam Bam, Raven, and... Uh, I think that that's the notable ones. Uh, but that's a pretty good class.
1: That's the Chris,
0: brand. Bam Bam, Raven, that's, that's solid. That's a good graduating class.
2: And he was so, like, if you've ever seen pictures of Chris, like, during this time, like, early in his career, like, such a typical, like, baby face yeah. looking kid, blonde hair. It's hard for him not to look but, that way. Man. But for the most part, like, you know, Chris always said that, you know, like, they saw him as baby face, but the second he wrestled, they're like, oh, no, 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 you could never be a baby <laughs> face. You could be... You're terrible n- You this. are nothing but a heel and you're great at it. And, and I think that's something even, even Chris said himself. He was like, they're like oh, you're, you're a perfect baby face. And they're like, no, no, you're not. No <laughs> just either. let him wrestle one match as it. But just <laughs> typical, like, 80s wrestler at the time. And, like, there's, there's some really cool pictures online of him.
0: There's a picture of him. I think we posted it already uh, when we were doing Bam Bam. But it's like Chris standing on, I think, the bottom rope beside Bam Bam. And Chris said in training he'd have to stand on the first or second rope just to lock up with Bam Bam because Bam <laughs> was so big. And Chris was like a buff guy. But he was like, what, 5'8", maybe, 5'10"? Yeah, 10, yeah he like was then, All right, team dude. All right. Who trained Chris seems confusing. Uh, it's because it is. Uh, in a shoot interview, Chris said it's hard to give one person credit because so many people helped him, saying there's probably like a half dozen people who help train him. Uh, is that pretty common or is it usually like one guy?
2: Well, at this moment in time, it was probably a lot of like they taught him just enough to have a match. Right, right. And they throw him out there with like an old timer that's like would step him through stuff. So obviously like in the match, they're like, all right, why don't you give me a – like a spine buster kid and he goes, I don't know how and then he would kinda of show him in the back how to do it. He would go out and do it for the first time and like, Okay. So basically he's learning on the fly, on the job, on the time and he's maybe learning like one new move each each match, and like, you know, somebody's like, Oh, my finish is a run or a crossbody off the top. Have you ever taken that before? Nope. Well, you are tonight. So <laughs> okay, there was a lot, there was probably a lot of that going on. It's supposed to be when there's a s- small list of movesets in this, in this time period of like mid 80s, you know? Stuff. Right, right. It's tackle, drop down, get right, it again yeah. era. So, like, I mean, big high spots across body off the top. Yeah, like, well, I
1: mean, back then it was like you just needed three to five moves. That was kind of the go-to. I mean, yeah, or...
2: you got your stuff. But the thing is, like, the everybody hip tossed the same exact way. Everybody mm-hmm. grabbed the headlock the same exact way. Mm-hmm. So, like, as long as you've got, like, the basics perfected, you know, those little things that step out from it, they didn't teach you at the wrestling school. Like, sometimes when you walk into wrestling school now, you, you got to teach these kids how to do tilt head scissors, how to, how to post right. for stuff, how to base for stuff, because – there's gonna be six or eight guys they're gonna run into in their first, you know, year of professional wrestling. They're gonna to to know how to, to do that, where like so. someone so. like Chris he wouldn't be taking a Karana except for maybe one person right. in yeah. maybe the first 10 years of his career you know because there's a very niche market like if one guy just did this and one guy did more that. psychology and selling and less on moves uh your uh, care is more like character and heat yeah. and keeping it easy a lot of punch kick guys mm-hmm. you know and, and doing things that way like the the sport itself hadn't evolved past yeah, yeah. it so yeah But as far as being very refined in the basic, that means, you know, he has to work with a small list of stuff. That's when I wrestle George Sal, like, we're not going to do all the crazy stuff. So, (laughs) like, I have to be very good at the in-between stuff. I have to be very good on the stuff that I do between tackle, drop down, get it again. Right. And sometimes that's the fun of it. And that's where you see some of that that flair and the fun of of watching a Candido match is that the little stuff that he does in between the basic totally, stuff, totally, yeah. which is why he you was know, so great and transferable to anything. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, Even though he wasn't like doing Rey Mysterio stuff, he's still getting over just as much at the ECW arena doing the little stuff. Heck yeah. Chris made
0: what we'll call his official pro wrestling debut in 1986 in Char- Larry Sharpe's uh, World Wrestling Association. And it was there he began using the alternative spelling of Candido for his ring name. So now he's Chris Candido. There he'd win the junior heavyweight title as well as the tag team titles with Chris Evans. I assume not Captain America. Nope. So uh, if we're telling the story of Chris Candido, there's a couple people we have to mention. First is his younger brother, Johnny. And Johnny was a wrestler who was an NWA Midwest heavyweight champion. He also worked dark matches for WWF. He's also the source of a ton of Chris stories and information. And he dedicates a big chunk of his time to uh, helping keep Chris's name alive,
2: which is extremely important because like when Chris passed, like, you know, the, the, I just even at the time, like there's, you know, a lot of people that everybody's going to remember Eddie Guerrero,
0: right? right.
2: You know, everybody's going to have uh, some sort of tribute to a Stu heart every year. Mm-hmm. And there's these people that are always going to live on, but like they're, some for some people like a Chris Candido or even just recently Brickhouse Brown who we just lost not too long ago. Like, we need people like that. We need people to carry that memory of those people on yeah. because they're still contributors to the business. Yeah, and, okay. and Johnny was most certainly one of those guys that, you know, carried that, that cross of letting people know this is who my brother was, this is what he did, and, and just shared all the, all the good stuff.
1: Yeah, there's a great, uh, I didn't see the actual documentary, but there's like a, a teaser for the documentary about Candido's family, and they go up into their, uh, it's like their attic room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, uh, with, all like, everything that Candido had plastered all over the wall, wrestling posters, <clears throat> like him and his brother, and all, just their love was just all over the place of how much they loved the business, and it, it, was, it was touching as hell, man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the other person, for better or worse, is Tammy Sitch, who most people know as WWE Hall of Famer Sonny. Chris met Tammy in high school, and although they never legally married, Tammy would be there until the day he died, which sounds a lot sweeter than it actually is. Tammy, excuse my French. No, no, no. Bit of a butthole. <laughs> oh. Is, uh, is what I would say. I'll say it. On record, Tammy Sitch. Butthole. <laughs> oh. yeah, I <laughs> went Nick there. Alexander saying that? <laughs>
2: Not, not Jake Jake Manning, who will probably <laughs> see Sonny in the next, I don't know, three right. months easily, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. You know, this
1: is the part in the podcast where we talk about how we're going to edit this out, and this will not be <laughs> in the final version. Oh, shit, it's still there.
0: I want Tammy to get White Girl Wasted and take a swing at me at the next WrestleCon. Yeah.
3: <laughs> not not
2: hard. <laughs> uh, I can make that happen very easily if you want. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, all, well, all got to do is just point a finger. Yeah. To be really quite honest, Nicholas... And then when you just put put in the
0: request portion for what you're wanting. We'll get into the bad stuff of their relationship a little later on, but Johnny Candido said their relationship was always pretty nuts. Getting into screaming matches, her threatening Chris with kitchen knives, locking herself in cars, punching Chris. Although he said day to day, (laughs) Tammy was pretty cool to
1: hang out with. And boy does she sound cool I mean you know when she's not completely hammered yeah, and screaming
0: maybe she'll high five you maybe she'll stab you in the spleen with a serrated bread knife it's like being friends with Patrick Bateman <laughs> um, that's man pull. you really um, uh, killing it <laughs> Uh, even with all that, Chris was madly in love with Tammy, and that would explain why he stuck through some pretty, you know, pretty rough patches. Uh,
1: pretty rough. Those patches. those early relationships, man, when it's early puppy dog love, and you're just like, you're you're, you're done.
2: Well, you you're know, done you, for. Here's here's another thing too that doesn't get discussed a lot with as far as like like bad relationships and wrestlers. Yeah. Because you think about it, you're you're on the road, like even at, at an independent level right now. I'm usually leaving either on a Thursday or Friday, driving at some place, wrestling on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, getting home late, Sunday, dead tired, exhausted, just kinda recuperating like I spent all last week just trying to get my body in shape and stretched out and loosened up just to go out and beat it up again yeah. the next week after that and you're going through all these and basically just you're on the road you come back you do do laundry and then you go back out again and that's just for somebody that would wrestle like twice a week you know like during this time indy's you know chris might be wrestling three four times a week yeah. especially you get in the smoky mountain where it's like running like an actual old school territory and then wwf days especially
1: because he's so game and he wants to do every possible
2: exactly and you're you on the get. road like four days and you're just you're home for just long enough to do laundry and then you and get your body in shape and go back out again you know the last thing you want to do is like you know what why don't I go break up with my girlfriend right now? <laughs> right. Let me just add more drama. Or, you know what? How about I just deal deal with it when she has the knife. Calm her down. Yeah. Give her what she wants for this next <laughs> 9 to 10 minutes. Tell her everything she wants to hear, Get her to put the knife down. Tell her I love her. We'll just get through it. Move on because I just need to get some sleep right now. Because I'm going I'm going on like...
1: I mean, she's going to sleep in a separate room and I'm going to lock the door. But we're going to get our sleep and it's going <laughs> to be good. I I've,
2: I've been up for... 28 hours right now, and I just need a little bit of sleep so I can get up tomorrow, do laundry before I catch my flight. So it's just, you get in that cycle, like, I just. I'll do whatever I can to get through today, but I don't have time to break up with my girlfriend because I have to be in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I'll
1: get stabbed tomorrow, but not not tonight. I'll, I'll get I'll, stabbed I'll, in. I'll Fuck. say whatever no. I need, and I'll just
2: <laughs> I will get past it. And that's why sometimes you see wrestlers stick in bad relationships for longer because the grind isn't conducive for you to make large life changes, especially if you are living with somebody.
1: See, after this episode, when Jake's no longer here, we're going to be screwed with these types of <laughs> stories and shit.
0: Well, I say, if he didn't have time to break up with Sonny, how did Ric Flair have time to get married eight times and wrestle an hour every night? He didn't remember half of it, though. So. He just left. He just
2: stayed at the... He's just, he just like, I'm going to go stay at the Ramada tonight. I'm already drunk here anyways. I'll go to the front desk and check in. Like, That's why because he's a psycho <laughs> chris candido is a wonderful nice man being going what am i going to do with this home and what am i going to how do i break it off with this person who i love at some point in time in my life
1: but
0: way too much thought into that <laughs> all right after getting trained uh and getting his feet wet in wwa chris did a lot of indie and territory work getting a lot of road under him and would end up working with up-and-comers like tommy dreamer rob van Dam, and sabu all ecw legends Speaking of ECW, in 1993, Candido began wrestling for NWA's Eastern Championship Wrestling, which is ECW before the name change. And at this point, Chris is still only 20, 21 years old. He's already like a seasoned vet in the ring. You know, he started when he was what nine. So you know, he had he had a lot of offer. Uh, really, any organization he'd go to at this time and. ECW, he formed a stable called the Suicide Blondes with Johnny Hotbody and Chris Michaels. And wrestling under the Freebird rule, uh, the Suicide Blondes had two stints as ECW Tag Team Champions until they vacated the belts in July of 93 when Candido left to solely focus on Smoky Melon.
2: Which is funny, if I'm not mistaken, of the Suicide Blondes. Only two of them were actually blonde. Yeah, well,
0: so he's I can't remember. He couldn't which get one. his hair yeah. to, to, to bleach. bleach. Yeah. 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 So they're like,
1: eh, eh
0: But then there was
2: another guy that wasn't really blonde either. So, like, <laughs> like one guy just had black hair. If I'm not mistaken. Okay, it's
1: two out of three guys. Maybe we should work on a name change. No, fuck it. We're committed. Like, we're there done. There
2: was suicide blondes, and, like, Candida was, like, kind of blondish. And the other guy was like, no, I'm just jet black. So, like, they didn't even, didn't even try. And, like, Early ECW, when it was Eastern Championship Wrestling, had a lot of influence of Eddie Gilbert, and it was very old-school wrestling. It's not the ECW that we all know today. It's, It's almost laughable. That's when
1: Todd Gordon was in control, right? Uh, yeah, just,
2: I mean Tagor was even around when it was still ECW, right, but, so like, a, but right. like this was like you know their top guy was Don Morocco, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jimmy Snuka, yeah, first Snooker. ever champion. Yeah. <laughs> Snuka was there, and also like King Kong Bundy would come in. <laughs> yeah. was, really, Bundy? Did? Oh yeah, I and then and, and like you the Bundy. Part. You you look at like early Eastern Championship Wrestling tapes, and like they're wrestling at a rec center with all the lights on, and like kids are in the front row. <laughs> it's really it's really interesting. Huh. I highly recommend that you go back and look at it. All
0: right, so if we can back back up to 1992, uh, Candido and Tammy, who would be renamed Tamara Fitch, were signed by Jim Cornette for the Smoky Mountain Wrestling promotion. And there, Chris would be able to learn and wrestle a who's who of greats.
2: Yeah, and Smoky Mountain was... Amazing for someone like a young wrestler at this time, right. because Jim, through his experience of working with NWA and WCW, who's able to bring people into Smoky Mountain. I think he put like Arne Anderson, Bobby Eaton. Yeah. Um, and when I when I met Chris in later in life, he talked about one of his best trainers that he ever had was was Bobby Eaton. You know, and and Bobby would be coming through Smoky Mountain. He said he would learn so much. From him, and of course, you know Kevin Sullivan will be making stops there. Yeah. So there's all these people Rock coming. And Roll Express were there. Yeah, Rock and Roll Express, like yeah. just bumping and feeding for Rock and Roll Express mm-hmm. and working like major angles with them. You're you're gonna learn a thing or two. You get you get Tracy Smothers around. Oh yes, yeah, you know guys that are fresh off of TV that that have kind of been up and they're kind of taking a little dip before mm-hmm. they go to the next stop. And also yeah. too, like Cornette had such a good working relationship with, with WWF, they could bring people in. Like they brought Shawn Michaels yeah, in. Well, they, they, like, they uh, uh, like, yeah, yeah, they did yeah. yeah. like essentially traded it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lot the of Stein trades versus uh,
1: who was the Pritchard tag team? Heavenly Yeah, Bodies, yeah Bodies, I mean yeah. they and then they would they would show footage from WWF on SmackDown right, 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 right. Wrestling. I mean it was a was shots Yeah.
2: Like it was, he they had a good working relationship because I think at this time WWF was like we need to find where these next superstars are, yeah. and this is a good breeding ground to to find those people. Yeah, and it's treated like an old school territory, so they're gonna get plenty of reps and get better and better. I was say
1: even like the opening for the TV show was something like old school wrestling, like the way you liked it when you were a kid or something. I forget the thing. But and it, that to, was, Cornette was just in love with the old school, and he, he he did it well. Well,
2: it's not, not so much him, but this area.
1: And, right, you, right, and right. even
2: to an aspect like when I was wrestling in Southwest Virginia, there were still those fans that talked about how great Smoky Mountain was because <laughs> yeah. it, in kind of that, that, that Southwest part of Virginia and some parts in the mountain areas of North Carolina, they want their wrestling a certain way, and what's right. put on NXT and WWE right <laughs> moves. now moves it, it, it's very it's very similar to how probably uh, some people feel about the Civil War. <laughs> like I always say that <laughs> yeah. in the South there were two Civil Wars. There I mean, was
1: Tracy Smothers gimmick in Smoky yeah. Mountain wrestling.
2: I always say there's two civil wars in the South. There was the the civil war between the North and the South, and then there's a civil war between NWA and WWF. And the South has never forgotten either. So, like, they still want things to be the way they want, and they're still hoping the South will rise. Oh, shit. And Crocker Promotion will rise as well.
0: Between September yeah. and November of 93, Candido won the Smoky Mountain Wrestling United States Junior Heavyweight Championship on three occasions, trading the title with Mr. Pin Me, Pay Me, Bobby Blaze. He went on to win the Smoky Mountain, beat the Champ Television Championship in December of 93, and again in July of 94. Do you know what that, that is?
2: The Beat the Champ? Yeah, Television, yeah. It was an envelope. I remember George South talking to me about this. It was basically just like an envelope that I think had... and. That was, you had to beat the champ on TV and there was like a time limit okay. and, you, and basically you didn't have a belt, but you won an envelope. And I can't remember what was an envelope. I want to say there was like a check or there was money in it. And so it's like
1: a non... You beat the champ in a non-title match and you kind of... So is that a ladder match, title match? No, 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 no. Oh, it wasn't so a ladder because yeah, that's, that's what you they did in the ladder it. match because they had money in that. Oh. Uh, you know, so, yeah. No, they would just... You, whoever was like, just oh, you, got you handed here, a check. Hand,
2: okay. Handed them the... I can't remember what was in the envelope because this, this, this frustrates me because I remember George was talking about to beat the champ and he'd be like each week like this guy like this guy won last week so he's come back again so he's the champ because he right. won last week oh he lost this week and then so it was like something that was kind of like a hot potato right right as opposed to <laughs> like Arn anderson carrying the wcw tv title yeah, Right, yeah, right, yeah. right right so at least that's what i vaguely remember from what george yeah. hobbs explained to me yeah
1: uh, candido had that great series of matches with tim horner that all revolved around uh babies and their problems and um was um, the drink from a baby bottle match? Uh, the uh, the loser puts on a diaper match, baby bonnet match. There was there was all types of great gimmick matches that uh, Chris and Tim Horner put on there.
2: And Chris was a bumping machine. he oh, yeah, bumped ever, his like, ass just off, unbelievable. There's there's
1: this great one. Uh, the is a Tracy Smothers ladder match, and uh, I think it's Bluegrass Brawl '94, and uh, Chris goes up, and he I mean he doesn't. He takes the extra bump or the extra uh, tier on the ladder, unlike most guys who would maybe sell it short. And he goes for the diving headbutt, misses the hell out of it, but gives one of the most hilarious pops. Yeah, it's, so it's like a he fatality in mortal Kombat. Yeah, it like, totally yeah, is. So he good. pops up perfectly, and then he does the <laughs> boom,
2: yeah. boom,
1: and he falls backward, and it's 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 pure gold. It's absolute gold. And I think Meltzer gave it four and a half stars, which Nick has a problem with, but I uh, totally defend. All right, I, you want to know why I have a problem? It was a fun, It was
0: good. It was good. Steamboat and Randy Savage was four and a half stars. You think that match was
3: not, as
1: good? 1994 ladder matches. That's all. This this match was like a month after uh, Razor Michaels and WrestleMania. All right, it's, was like, t- it's so like <coughs> I mean they're not you know doing four fifties off there, and but the this heat is- was great. The crowd was great, and they they like, they did. But this is why other. I have
0: a problem. With it. This is how I think about match ratings, I guess. So there's five stars, right? So so if you have a four-star match, that means your match is in the 20% of wrestling matches ever. That's how I think about it. So, And then if you have a quarter of each star, so if you're giving something four and a half stars, you're saying that that match was in the top 10% of pro wrestling matches ever wrestled.
1: I just think you need to look at the entire context of No, it everything. was fun. It was good. It was great. I loved it. <laughs> this, this
2: is how I view the star system. Uh, Chris Candido was in it, and he deserves six more no, stars. So. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I, it was half a star. <laughs> too, too That's little. how I feel. <laughs> I don't want to take
0: anything away from Candido or the match or anything because Chris is legitimately one of the better workers I would I'll
3: say t- it
2: ever. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> was that so hard? Does that feel <laughs> good, Nicholas? He doesn't.
0: He never gets brought up. You know, it's always like, you know, flair, obviously. or That's why we're doing if, this if fucking podcast today. If you're God, a damn a dynamite it. Dynamite kid or whatever. But yeah, Chris was great. And I don't want to be like, he doesn't deserve five or whatever, five stars. He deserves or
1: every bit of those fucking yeah, stars. Yeah, no, he's great. Whatever. All right. Fuck you guys. Um, I just, I just want to also point out because I did the research and it was really stupid that uh, that ladder match with. Uh, with some others, it's not a belt. There's just a check in an yeah, envelope. Yeah. It's like clothes
3: pinned up yeah, there. Yeah, it's just, just clothes pinned it. up there.
1: And they don't want to. Uh, the shoot on the match could be, if they really wanted, they probably could have jumped up yeah, and grabbed yeah, yeah, yeah. it. But uh, the, the stupid research that I just want to point out is uh, $2,500 a check in that envelope. Nowadays, $4,227.09. So, a little bit more. A little bit more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right let's uh let's get
0: through some smoke uh, some of the smoky mountain stuff in 94 candido formed a tag team with brian lee with uh fitch managing
2: do you want to know how she got involved this is a little side thing uh most people don't know like she was she was there with chris as just his girlfriend but at that time hillary clinton was oh, it all yeah, over, yeah, and yeah, because she everyone had, hated yeah, and, yeah. and everybody. Cornetti was like, "You'll be a
1: Clinton supporter." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was the heel move. But the, but <laughs>
2: like they even like they did photo shoots of her posing exactly like Hillary Clinton. Over <laughs> like, really? pantsuits yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah. pants like like blue suits and stuff like that, and they just would throw her down people's throats, and that's what a lot of her tires like. Whatever Hillary Clinton would wear, like go get something like this similar, <laughs> and they that's what they were going for. So it's funny, like. As red as the South went this last election, yeah, but there's yeah. still that underlying hate for Hillary Clinton, even like back, even this 94 So, Sonny yeah.
1: fucking put Trump in office, is what we're saying. <laughs> that's what we're saying? Yeah, that's
2: all. I'll, I'll go ahead and say that. <laughs> I, won't go, I won't go as far as Nick, but I'll, I'll make that statement. So goes to show like how much hatred for the Clintons and how long it's existed in a lot of these red states, which is where primarily Smokey Man ran. Yeah. <laughs> all right
0: uh so candido and brian lee would win the tag team championship from rock and roll express which that's pretty cool to be able to say about yourself right uh they kind of trade the belts with them uh with them losing the belts for a second and final time in 94 and after they lost the belts uh tamara fitch fired lee and started managing only chris candido
2: was it tamara or tamara Tamara,
0: Tamara. I think I, it's don't Tam- know. I think is it's Tamara. What's the most southern way to say it? <laughs> Tamara. Tamara. I think it was like ta- Tamara.
2: Tamara because I think he was Tamara Murphy. When she did, because oh, I mean, the, the live uh, yeah, yeah cause the
0: I can I can't not call her Sunny, so I don't know. You can call her I Sonny. mean, you can get sued too. So. Uh, in November of '94, Candido won a ten-man tag or a ten-man tournament, uh, defeating Al Snow, Dirty White Boy, and Tracy <laughs> Smothers <laughs> to win the NWA Heavyweight Championship. The yeah. freshly
2: thrown down from NWA title. Uh, Shane Douglas. Yes.
0: Now, the title at this point, way past the days of Flair and Harley Race, but Chris said it was still a huge honor to hold the belt and be named with, you know, that list of people like Ric Flair and Harley Race.
2: Well, I mean, if if Shane doesn't throw it down and they run with it, like, there's, there's like, second wind yeah, right, right. in NWA, and it you was know. positioning to be as such, but... You know, if you piss on that belt, you're going to push ECW to the forefront. And that's basically kind of what happened was, you know, but if Shane puts that around his waist and talk about how much of an honor is and carries it through. And everybody's like,
1: and they clap along and it's the same old same
2: old yeah like if, if that's the main belt in ecw maybe nwa is seen in a different light but like basically him throwing it down was the start of <laughs> a lot of branches on the way down the tree for the nwa brand oh i had not thought about oh, it that the first
0: ever live wrestling show I ever went to was nwa cool how old were you Those with you Oh, we what? saw Ricky Steamboat's son. We saw Lodi. That was the first match you've ever been to. Yeah, my parents didn't let me do shit.
2: Jesus, you <laughs> remember the NWA Charlotte show? Was it was in first? like
0: the middle of nowhere.
2: Oh, no, I that know which one we you were Kind of no.
1: close to uptown. Charlotte.
0: That was the light
2: heavyweight tournament or something like that. Remember. It was in Monroe. Wasn't I there, know like a big warehouse thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I just
0: remember it was NWA, so I thought like, this is gonna be awesome. This is like a
1: prime Ric Flair, and then I show there, it's like, was Mitch there? Behind did, a dumpster. Did Mitch go too? I think Mitch did come. Uh, I'm so, don't, don't oh, I'm, sorry, I'm just trying to. That was your first wrestling show. Uh, I'm so. I'm sorry. I'm just having me. a moment where I just. And I,
2: don't worry, guys. Billy Corrigan's bringing it back. <laughs> All right. And, th- and thankfully, Flip Gordon didn't win it because then he would have to flatten the globe on the belt oh, because he's a flat earther.
1: So. I'm in Kyrie
0: Irving. Candido would uh, drop the title back in uh, February of 95 to Dan Severin. Dan Severin, of course, Steve Blackman in a fucking mustache. I don't care what you yeah. say. Which, by the, Wrestling way, all the way, you talk about the
2: prestige of the NBA belt. He won it, and he would take it over to Japan, and it was like a big deal. Because yeah. the NWA belt still melt right. meant it's the still same meant thing. Then. And for someone like Dan Severin, who's beating the shit we out we'll of people on Holy UFC. Field. yeah,
1: That's what surprised me when I saw that. When Severn what was it, 95? I'm sorry, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just like, that was kind of... I didn't realize Severn did wrestling pretty much in the middle of his UFC career. Because that- Shamrock had his run in the UFC and then he kind of and then he did uh, wrestling and then he kind of went back but Severin was like in kind of the prime of his career was still do, was doing wrestling in, in between his MMA and I was like whoa that's uh, I didn't I totally missed that well look at Sam Punk he's in the prime of his oh, MMA gosh. career oh <laughs> this gosh toughy, I don't want to talk about how I bet inside the distance on that fight and no. Punk couldn't get me a finish get knocked out or uh, ugh
0: Alright, in uh, late 94, Candido had formed a tag team with Boo Bratley, who is Balls Mahoney. At Christmas, Chaos in December of 94, Candido attacked Bratley after they lost to Tracy Smothers and Cactus Jack. Their feud would lead to an angle where Sonny kidnapped bradley's cat which jesus
1: oh yeah i couldn't i couldn't find footage of this she
0: she would bring it uh, a bag to the ring (laughs) quote unquote containing the cat and Dito would leg drop it and kill it which is very Boss Man and Al Snow-like. I was thinking the exact same if, thing. Uh, if only Vince Russo were there to do a kitty litter box from hell match, the world would be a better place. I don't know. <laughs> all
2: from the mind of Jim Cornette. I mean... This right here, all from the j- mind oh, of no. Jim Cornette. So
0: if he hears that I compared him to Vince Russo, he will find me and murder me.
2: Yeah, probably. I'll d- I'll, once again, as soon as I see Sonny, I'm just going to point in direction. <laughs> I see Jim Cornette, I'm pointing point in your direction. <laughs>
0: <so>. <laughs> just an all-out bra with all of 1989's wrestling <laughs> grand- Smoky Mountain Wrestling
2: reunion, <laughs> which is actually coming to Winston Salem. So Jeez. I'll just, how about I take you there, and um, they just can all beat you up. No, thank I mean, you. Just say something about Tim Horner. And like, <laughs> Dude, you um, want to
1: put this podcast on the map? You fucking take these for it.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nick Alexander, fire on the Yeah. <laughs>
0: That angle would eventually lead to a Loser Leaves Town dog collar match at Sunday, Bloody Sunday 2, on February 26th of 95. Wow, I
1: like a good historical massacre named uh, (laughs) wrestling pay-per-view. Yeah. Or special.
0: Bradley would win the match, and that marked Candido's final appearance in Smoky Mountain Wrestling before he and Sonny joined WWF. And you mentioned his ladder match. Uh, I got four and a half stars. All his yeah. highest reviewed matches, it seems, were in Smoky Mountain, as they would let him wrestle. Yeah, they let him for more stuff. than four minutes. Yeah,
2: yeah, but like, this was like they were in the time of, of gimmicks in WWF and WWE. Right? Oh, right. But like.
1: It was all, like, profession gimmick yeah, shit. Yeah,
2: I mean, and, like, Meltzer hated that shit. And, but the thing is, like, I have vivid fucking memories of the body <laughs> donnas. Like, yeah. I know how Sonny walked to the, to the ring. I know how the can with camera yeah, would pan I, 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 to him. And he'd have a towel. And I vividly remember, like specific matches his boots his certain gear certain matches certain things it's just like oh you're you're the goon or oh you're jean-pierre lafitte then obviously you're a subpar worker <laughs> you know like you should th- see the
1: eyebrows the, <laughs> on on uh, jake right now he's totally insulted oh like oh
2: so like oh if i just wrestle under your real name that's the only way you're gonna get four or five stars yeah, or just, if put on, just put on some brown trunks and go out there and work yeah, uh, but not everybody can do that because not everybody has that spot, right. you know. Chris had that yeah. spot in Smoky Mountain.
1: I mean, at least he wasn't the superhero or whatever the hell he was, right? Well, mm-hmm. we'll
0: get into all his WWF gimmicks, and I I loved the body on I thought uh, it was a I great gimmick. Them. It was yeah. good. Uh, uh, a mean? lot of people don't think that, but fuck them. worked,
2: <laughs> worked for, for Sonny and what she was bringing to the table, and they no. wanted to be a package deal, and that was probably the best way to put her on there. And, you know, Tony, uh, no, I want to say Tony robbins was it tony robbins the motivational speaker no the tony the 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 guy that wore the hat that had the ponytail and he'd be on the like elliptical type thing oh yeah all i can think is the juice man right now tony robinson (laughs) (laughs) roberts (laughs) i don't know there was like a short like tony guy with blonde hair and he was very excitable and it's it's a striking resemblance to chris in in his character
0: so Alright, so we're about to get into WWF. Here's Chris, this great looking Jack 20 something years old kid. With a decade of wrestling experience. And he's a really good heel. Yeah, yeah, He's a really, really good heel. He's a great heel. He was taught by Jim Cornette and all the legends in Smoky Mountain. He worked with his grandpa. He was trained at the Monster Factory. He held championships everywhere he's been.
2: Fubed with the Rock and Roll Express. Exactly. Still kind of in the tail end of their prime.
0: You, you think he'd have every tool WWF would want to push him <laughs> to the moon. Just but over should. the next three or four years... WWF would make his life a complete dumpster fire in and out of the ring. So in 95, Candido and Sitch were signed by WWF. Uh, originally, they gave them a cape superhero gimmick called Team Spirit. <laughs> they set loosely based off Mighty Mouse. And to my knowledge, that never made it to TV but I don't know. I didn't watch all the TV. I, I heard.
2: I heard there was a lot of it was a lot of house shows, and they did it a couple right. of times. And I think they were also trying to make them baby face. Maybe yeah. Yeah. Was and, and, and I think it was, was more. And Chris I think, was so
1: pissed because he's like, "I'm a great heel, and I suck at face. Why are you yeah. doing this?" But I, I
2: also think it was kind of a little bit their. I think they're, they're, the outfits were their idea. Uh, they were trying to make it work. Uh, so I don't know. Like when I heard the the Pritchard podcast, I want to say that they were trying to make it work, or some. Or I didn't,
1: I didn't get the impression that it I was, don't know what he meant Candido's idea?
2: Well, they said that we were trying to make it work. I don't know who his we was. Well, for I, I, I assumed it, it's, it's the thing where it's like,
1: okay, they, they that, that moment they're like, okay, Candido, how can I make this work? Candido
0: yeah. would make – he wanted to make every. He just loved wrestling. Like, he didn't care if you were doing a diaper match or a, yeah, yeah. a gimmick or a no gimmick. He just – he wanted everything to be good. But he was
1: still pretty frustrated that, like... Was, no, exactly, They're making him a baby face when yeah. he clearly is like, no, I fucking suck at this. Why are you doing this?
0: Uh, I also want to mention that the Mighty Mouse gimmick with the cape, uh, they ended up giving that to Neville or Puck,
1: if you're... Uh, I was going to say, apparently, because Vince has been on a Mighty Mouse gimmick yeah. kick for... Well, so.
2: like, like I said, he goes through these cycles, like I said, the paramilitary group, when we talked about the, bo- right, the Boss exactly, Man podcast, right, yeah. and then it came back as the shield. Yeah. So... So, very
0: pro-recycling. And Chris hated the gimmick. He hated being a face, I guess. And it never got over, so they renamed Candido Skip, and they renamed Tammy Sonny. They would debut on WWF television in May of 95. This new gimmick was a pair of arrogant fitness gurus who mocked their opponents and members of the audience, which is some good old-fashioned Oh heat.
2: yeah, God, Sonny was so fucking good at this. Yeah. <laughs> Her talking down to the ring, like I'll never, the way she would lean into the camera and talk directly into <laughs> it about how fat and disgusting people were, which she'd already had experience oh, doing in Smoky Mountain just oh. just railing on people. Now she's doing it right directly into the camera. It's like if you
1: lean in enough the viewer gets a better shot at punching her in the face. Yeah. Like it puts her closer so you can assault her. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she's just begging to <laughs> Yeah for come it. on, come on. And
2: she my mom still to this day <laughs> hates Sonny and has told me multiple times. She's like, Don't you Ever, <laughs> ever get involved with anybody like Sonny. And that's just off her on-camera car- on character. That's not even like the, yeah. stu- the other no, stuff you, that we know. Even you know?
1: your mom's like, it's, it's a, it's a, she's looking outside and it's, oh, it's a very bright day out there. <laughs> yeah, It's just, she can't even say the word.
2: She can't, And that's the that thing too. And I told Sonny that like years later. I was like, my mom still hates you. She, said she, she was just just irritated by you and she called you like a slut every time she had turned around and sunny just looked at me like so what do you mean that girl's on right now or are just showing their vi- vagina every five minutes but i'm the slut uh, i'm yeah. like no i meant it like you did your job well but, but can you
1: uh, take a compliment and understand what the fuck i'm talking about yeah, exactly. i'm trying to tell you, you Jesus!
2: i'm trying to tell you that Susie Fairbach <laughs> hates your guts to this day it's
1: 15 years later and she wants you dead yes
0: I feel that way about Jeff Jarrett. I cannot like Jeff Jarrett in any capacity because he was such a good hill when I was a little kid that I grew up hating him.
1: And no matter what he does, I still hate Jeff Jarrett. This was kind of sidebar, but uh, Jeremy Davies in Saving Private Ryan. He's the character who is the total fucking wuss. And he ends up getting two of the other characters killed at the end. And I remember thinking at the end of that, if I ever see that actor in public, (laughs) I will punch him. And it's just like, he's an actor, but I, I still hated him. I wanted him
2: hurt but because he was so good. But it's funny that as we're talking about, like, basically Chris's run here, and most of our attention is on Sonny. And, and that's going to be a common theme. And that's going to be a theme until until we get to ECW. Which yeah, right? like, I will come back around to that. But, like, let's basically, let's move along right with the timeline. Right,
0: now, uh, if you... Talking about this gimmick, Chris also didn't love it. And, you know, Tom Pritchard and Cornette also had a lot of bad things to say about it. Everyone thought it was a little beneath what Chris could be. And in 1995, Chris won Wrestling Observer's Most Underrated Wrestler of the Year. Which is, again, someone saying, do something else with Chris Candido, please. <laughs>
1: That's
0: a buggy Again, word. I thought it was great. I love the gimmick. They they got fucking booed like I mean, crazy. your top
2: guy is a male stripper. yeah like (laughs) you don't mean a fitness guru can't work his way to the top there's a dead man that's hold your belt multiple times like it's it's possible i mean it
0: worked though they got reactions as good as
1: it was him like because his first big feud was him jobbing to horowitz do you think that had any
2: maybe sort of like i like i uh, let me tell you the feelings because i saw it live i saw action zone when this particular match <laughs> happened on Sunday morning, it just regular typical job matches, and I was kind of—I
1: don't—I'm not even familiar with that. Actually. That was just like a one-hour. It was a one-hour thing, thing on USA
2: Network on Sunday mornings. They had the Sunday morning show. They also had the Saturday. I think they might have had a Saturday morning thing, which might have been like a like a mania. It was before Livewire. There was a something there, huh. and then of course, it, if you caught certain. Channels, uh, depending on what, like ABC affiliate or NBC or Fox affiliate, you would get a wrestling challenge or a something late night on, on Saturdays. Right. And, then of course, you had the Monday Night Raw's and, of course, also the pay-per-views as well. And, that, right. and then, of course, there might be something else syndicated out there and, and available, but Action Zone was sundays and it was just a lot of job matches Mm, you know old old
1: school superstars yeah
2: that was the thing it was it would take the place of superstars for me in my life yeah and i'll never forget like it was just a typical match they're going through it you know skip he's doing the push-ups and then Harwood comes out of nowhere and does that like amateur wrestling roll up <laughs> oh, oh, little roll up, and you just think it's just gonna like get one two, and then and, then the three and kick out hits and, and then three what? hits, and it's it blew my ever-loving thirteen-year-old mind at the time. Like holy. Shit! They just this just happened. Wait, did, did Horowitz just win this match? What? Yeah, because what? you because you just knew like all these job guys that get beat yeah. up, but you're but you're but you're 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 there to listen to like the promos that pop up and whatever, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then, and then to There's you, gonna be
1: nothing out of uh, the norms here. It's just gonna be straight shooting, and then yeah, that. but but
2: this is, this is this is methadone. Mm-hmm. Like like Raw is the straight up heroin that you're yeah, gonna get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is like the list. We're gonna tide methadone. you over till. And even a Raw at that time was a lot of job matches. Yeah, it but totally was. But they're doing angles and stuff like that to give you the interest for the pay-per-views. But, like, Doe was definitely straight-up methadone. Like, low-grade methadone. <laughs> and then and this angle happens and it's just unbelievable. And it left such an impression upon me. Every WrestleCon that rolls around because I work for High Spots and we're the ones that book the Super Show. Yeah. Every year michael piquillo the owner of high spots he always asked me he's like jake you're my employee you put up with everything all the year long is there any particular match you want to be a part of be incorporated or do or any ideas that you want to do here's here's what here's what we got or let me know what you want to do this would be a time for a dream match because i can facilitate that for you (laughs) within reason you know what i'm saying i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna book you against hogan okay so stop asking but he would always be like, "Here's a list of people." And for the last four years, I have been like, "I want to wrestle Barry Horowitz." <laughs> that's
1: that's a dream match we all want. And
2: I want to wrestle Barry Horowitz. And a couple of times, I'm like, "Listen, I will get the the skip body down a singlet." <laughs> but regardless, I'll wrestle the man scout match. Or, or if you want me, to just wrestle the man scout match. But we are fucking doing the same fucking finish. We're doing, I'm doing pushups and then he is rolling me up. Like he's going to make a little comeback. I'm going to hit him with something. I'm going to do a pushup and he's doing this fucking roll. I have angled for that for the last four years. And Michael even reached out to Horowitz and we were this close. If he didn't have knee surgery, so close to Russell Son of a bitch. It was going to happen.
0: And that oh. feud would end at a SummerSlam '95 with Horowitz winning again after a little interference with Hakushi.
1: which was very bizarre and weird. Yeah, it was,
0: it
2: yeah, was, and that's the thing. But also too is like, it's weird. Chris got Barry Horowitz over, yep, right? yeah, but nobody sees it that way. Like, like that's the funny thing about wrestling. You can do your job so well that people forget why this happened. Like one time, I wrestled this one guy. He was just a big, big guy who had a nice look. and I.
1: Would around. people know him who are listening?
2: Probably not. But also, too, I don't want to put his name out I there because I, I feel bad. At,
1: but there we go. We're past that. <laughs> uh, but
2: he doesn't wrestle anymore, and I don't, gotcha. I don't want to put him out there yeah, like yeah, that. I gotcha, and, gotcha, but gotcha. I made him look – I gave a 20-minute match and just made Damn. him look great. He played up to all his strengths, made him look fantastic. And ever since that match, he got all of these bookings. And somebody came up to me, and they were like – is what is wrong with these people? It's like they saw Sting versus Flair and they started, <laughs> and they gave the credit to the wrong guy. <laughs> like like that, that that but that's what happens sometimes in wrestling is you can make somebody look so good that you don't give credit to the person that did the work. Right. But there but then there's like certain people that can find a way to do the work and get the guy over, but then they get the credit out. Like I saw Steve Carino wrestle Zach McDaniel, who is an alleged stepson to Wahoo McDaniel. Oh. I don't know if this kid knew how to lock up. But Steve Carino wrestled him. Made him look like a million, made million him look dollars. Of, but the thing is, people walked out of the match going, oh, Steve Carino's the man. Right, right, right. I wrestled him the next day, and in the talk the next day was, oh, Zach McDaniels is good. <laughs> Not that Jake Manning made him look good. Right. So it's That's always, a better
1: compliment to you, though, right? Is it?
2: <laughs> because Steve Carino gets the props. I do not. I know, I know. But so, I I think mean, that, it's, that's the that whole that
1: thing is. of like a great referee is the referee you don't notice.
2: But you don't book the people you don't notice. I mean, yeah, I understand so, that. So
1: Monetarily, the, you get screwed. But I'm
2: just. Which is the end game to I, all Yeah, I know. I
1: mean, I have bad points.
2: So <laughs> it's, something that, it's something I've always tangled with. And I'm sure this is something that has tangled with Chris Candido all his career. You're like, I'm the guy that makes this guy look like this, especially during this WWF run. You know, I'm making this guy look like, why can't you see that I'm the cog? I'm the straw that serves the drink. I
1: mean, you're Oz behind the curtain making everything.
2: Don't great. don't you look like, but yet, Shawn Michaels can have a match against aging King Kong Bundy or uh, Akama. I'm like, oh, he's so good, he can work with anybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but those guys have a little bit of ability, and one of them main evented a WrestleMania, right. you know, but you're here's. Chris Candido working with Barry Horowitz and the jobber guy of the week, Mm -hmm. and he can make him look good. Imagine what he could do with an X-Pac. Imagine what he could do with a Raisin Ramon. Imagine what he could do with those
1: people. And one one real quick, the the Horowitz match. uh, One of Chris's
2: big spots was getting suplexed to the outside, which
1: was always kind of a crazy, at the time, just a crazy buff for me to see. And I think the Horowitz match might have his best one because I think they kind of screw it up and Chris takes one hell of a damn bump to the outside in that match.
0: In late 95, Rad Radford, who is Louis Spicoli, joined uh, Candido as a body donna in training. And at Survivor Series 95, the body Donnas consisting of Candido, Tom Pritchard, still with his hair, Radford, and Wait, the, st- at this time, yeah. At, uh, at I thought
1: they Survivor did that Series. at the beginning of the gimmick. No.
2: No? Uh, no. Well, see, they know that he's not. He's just Tom Pritchard of yeah, the Yeah, he's Tom Bodies. Pritchard right now. Yeah.
1: And uh, oh. they haven't
2: like put them together yet. Look at me not knowing stuff.
1: Also,
0: the newly bought off by the Million Dollar Man 123 Kid was on that team, and they faced... The underdogs, who was Horowitz, Hakashi, Bob Holly, and Marty Janetti.
1: Why is Hakushi in that mix? I don't understand. Because he was Horowitz. Because
2: he was Horowitz.
1: They're
2: trying to make this babyface run. Don't you remember the vignettes where Horowitz was like trying to talk to Hakushi? Hakushi. This I is what we say in English. No, you know? No, like, you don't see, see, that's
1: one thing. I wasn't like Candido. I'm ECW Candido. I don't. I mean, yeah, I'm totally stupid on, the, on his uh, Body Donna run. So, yeah. So it was an English lesson vignette.
0: City. Yeah, they just
2: did all kinds of stuff where he was trying to Americanize
1: Akusha. It was Crocodile yeah.
0: Dundee, but... Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> all right. So 123Kid uh, would end up getting the win for the Body Donnas after Psycho Sid interfered. And uh, that was all they were trying to set up, 123 versus Razor Remote.
3: Yeah. Mm.
0: Uh, on December of 95, on an episode of Superstars of Wrestling, Sonny fired uh, Radford. After they cost uh, the tag team title shot uh, to the Smoking Guns. And that would kind of set up a feud between Chris and Radford. And this is when Tom Pritchard comes in, uh, interferes with a match as Candido's cousin Zip. Who now had short, bleach blonde hair. And originally when they called Tom and asked him if he wanted to cut his hair. He was like, fuck you, no. Because his whole shtick was like, you know, he'd get yeah, in the yeah, ring yeah, yeah. and flop his hair about.
2: But, no, but um, in real life, he's also very proud of his hair. Yeah, <laughs> very. He's got, he would have to be. To this <laughs> yeah. day, he has fantastic, he's also wavy. Like I am very jealous of his hair right now, and I've never lo- like really like. Lo- I've never been like ooh like I want this person's hair like I've never felt that except for oh. the Tom Pritchard. like so, his 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 wavy hair.
0: I'm glad his hair recovered from uh, his. Yeah, it doesn't matter haircut. what you do to it; it just comes right back. His this
2: I I love this story of when he got the haircut. Is he went in <laughs> with <went>, Bob Backlitch. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess like Bob was there, but also two. Yeah. Uh, Chris went with with Tom to to the barber. Yeah. Tom walked in, sat down in the chair. And Tom uh, go, goes to the barber. He goes, Make me look like him. And pointed right at Chris. Chris. <laughs> and he's just like, Just disgusted. Why am I doing this? This is <laughs> but what But the happened. part
1: that always got me it was it, it seems so random, but they talk about. And then Bob Backlund walks in and goes, This ain't right. This ain't right. This is a, a travesty. This is a travesty. It's car- it's and it's just like, So. Why did Backlund know this was going on in this particular establishment, and he found it and got outraged? <laughs> it's just, well, because also
2: apparently Bruce Pritchard was filming the whole incident. Oh as yeah, well, yeah that so. too.
1: But it just seems like it just randomly Bob Backlund watches in, walks okay. in, is like, "I'm gonna get a haircut." Oh shit, they're cutting off Tom's
2: hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's how Bob Backlund works. You, it's you, true. He, you just, say his he name appears. Three times. He pops up. He disappears. He's more of a specter than he is really <laughs> a former WWF <laughs> champion.
0: Well, Tom said the reason he even did it is because he liked Chris a lot and he wanted to work with Chris. Uh, He did not like Sonny. In uh, nice. February of ninety six, the Smoking Guns forfeited the tag team championships after Billy Gunn had a legit neck injury and the Body Donna's won a tournament for those titles, defeating the Godwins in the finals of the WrestleMania seven pre show.
2: You mean oh, WrestleMania no, I, twelve pre show. Yeah. Oh, my bad, yes. You Sorry, said I said seven. seven didn't oh I? no no. You no, thought no. the I, X was
1: a V, no, you no, a yeah, bitch. This is uh,
2: WrestleMania Damn, twelve no. in Anaheim, California, just before the Iron Man match. So yeah. I remember the, the I'm kinda I'm kind of
1: I, I, I'm kind of surprised. Like I didn't realize they did they did pre shows even back as far as those with. Well, but they've right. always kind of had like
0: dark matches to get.
1: I, I know, but it's up. like a, it's a tag title thing. It's because you know kind of in recent years they've done
2: big matches on the pre show. I didn't yeah. really did them so far back. then Oh yeah, they they definitely did a lot of like big matches on the pre show. Like that that was like that area of like 95 special shows in your houses because they were trying to push people. Right. right to, to, yeah. to buy and purchase because yeah, yeah. this is
1: also the the 30 minute uh buy buy buy. It led
2: into the paper, yeah. Before it would be like the long, long promo, to, like all day, yeah. But then when you got into the era of like direct TV and dish, and you just one button away, where before you were the era of like cable and you have to call, subscribe, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. or get a box, so, or yeah. I mean, but it was a whole ordeal. <laughs> when, when they got to the era of you could just click one button, that 30 minute pre show became that much more important, yeah. So
0: They held the titles until May 19th, where they were defeated by the Godwins, and following that loss, Sunny left the body Donna's and briefly aligned herself with the Godwins before joining the Smoking Guns. And the whole thing with Sunny leaving is that at this point, she was way too over to be teamed up with Hills. This is when she was selling a million raw magazines in her bikini shoots. Most downloaded and, AOL ever, all time. Which does it even sound like real words today? Really, no, like, me and the nickabacas we put a nickel in the peep show, and, and those
2: damn like, trolley hoppos came up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Back in my day, so she way too over it to be with Hills. So the Body Donners needed a new manager, and at uh, the '96 King of the Ring, which is the epic. Austin 316 promo. Oh, right. Uh, They introduced a new manager, Cloudy, who was one of Candido's friends, Jimmy Shoulders, and Drag. Do you remember this?
2: I remember this vividly, yes. And then I just heard the Bruce Pitcher podcast about it where they said they were hoping that he'd eventually uh be good enough to wrestle and they can do six man's oh, and yeah. it turns it's out he wasn't awful. Yeah. he wasn't
1: good. It's like with the name with Jimmy Shoulders, it's like it's like the most obvious mob name in the like the third tier of the mob guy in the mob movie. Like it's Jimmy Shoulders
0: over yeah. here.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Jimmy would go on to quit wrestling. Find- <laughs> <laughs> he realized he was not good.
0: Uh, he, he found God, became a chaplain and motivational speaker. And I assume his message is, kids never do drugs and never be part of an angle Vince McMahon thought of while on drugs.
1: Oh, boom,
0: roasted. In uh, August <laughs> of 96, Chris legit broke his neck. And as he was uh, rehabbing, he'd help out oh, in yeah. training. And he would
1: end up helping train The Rock. Sorry, real quick. Is there footage of this neck break, um, or do we know exactly what it is? Because I couldn't, I don't know.
2: I w- here's the thing. I think he also wrestled a sur- SummerSlam? Mm-hmm. I think he wrestled in SummerSlam with a broken neck. Jesus, and Jesus Christ. And I want to say that when they interviewed him with the, the neck brace on, they showed footage of the break, mm. and I think it was like a house show. Really? I want to say, that, they, or they talked about it in detail, what happened. I vaguely remember that that interview, but I remember that match because there's a spot in it that I've always stolen when I do like a four corner tag match. Yeah. And people shit on that match, but like there's a spot in there that's. <laughs> but un- fuck them. But fuck them. But there's a spot that is timeless <laughs> to where you, because you can tag in anybody at any time. Right, right, and right. And basically, especially if there's like one heel team, you're in there as a babyface. Bip, 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 you're, you get the you get the heel in there. The heel bumps around, and then you tag in the other heel, so the other heel has to go That's in the, against his partner. Right, and then they're like, "Well, heck! All you got to do is pin the win the match." So they do like a finger poke, a doom, and they go for the pin. Everybody jumps in and breaks uh, up the pin. Yeah. Like you know, like there's this big. <laughs> anytime you can get everybody to do things in stereo in multi man exactly, matches exactly. like that is always always fun.
0: So. <laughs> So, Chris has a broken neck. This is 96. This is around the time Sonny would start looking at Shawn Michaels with lust in her eyes, brother.
1: Oh,
2: um, she. <laughs> Listen, according to Sonny, it was all Shawn Michaels' advances. Of course yeah, it
1: was. Yeah, she doesn't, she can't, it's not, nothing is her fault, dude. No. Weak no.
2: And even Buddy Landell's got a story from Smoky Mountain. Oh, so, boy. like, whatever. The, 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 this is, Sonny's extracurricular activities are Covered to death. I'd rather more talk about Chris. Uh, I agree. Dealing I agree. with this. I mean, just
1: because Jake's mom is screaming at the podcast, <laughs> whore, 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 right now. Oh, doesn't... I haven't told my
2: mom about all this lurid detail. <laughs> like, I want to get sonny's book and give it to my mom. Like, like,
1: hey, give me a review. You
2: were right. <laughs> you know, that's that's the name of like sonny's book. Is Susie fearbach was right. Well, <laughs> so... I,
0: I hate talking about it too, but it's you have to mention it. No, yeah. no, you should mention
2: yeah, yeah. it, but I'd rather us talk about. Instead of us like detailing like all the stuff that Sonny did, well, that's not gossip for 30 minutes, but like (laughs) I'd rather us talk about like let's put ourselves in Chris's shoes, exactly. Oh, I
1: don't want to because that's that's sad. We can just crap on Sonny and (laughs) it's okay, but it's so sad to think about Chris in the matter. You say
2: sad, but I think you need to look at it at this perspective in the sense that we live in a social media era everybody's putting out whatever they think and feel like how many times you see on Facebook, like somebody break up and there's these diatribes on Facebook and, and anytime you see some drama in relationships, you see all this just pop up and even the slightest thing like, Oh, I'm broke up with this person within minutes or hours of it happening. It's refreshing to me to see somebody that has, you know, was going through all these troubles and, and obviously social media didn't exist, but for him to bury it, yeah. To himself, yeah, like Gary Cooper, you know what I'm saying? Like, and and, and a lot, and do what those guys did in the 50s and, and 60s, those guys that lost a wife. And they just went to work and showed up every day. Those, those cops that you didn't even know if they were married, yeah. like a Joe Kenda, like, you're like, is he married or he's not? He doesn't <laughs> talk about his, he doesn't talk about his, Supposed to
1: make the Joe Kenda references. Yeah.
2: He, he <laughs> doesn't talk about it. You wouldn't know if he's a wife or not. He just shows up, does his job. Like those Gary Cooper individuals, those yeah. guys, that rock Hudson. Yeah. Like those guys that just like, this is my personal life. That doesn't make a difference. I need to focus solely on my career. And I think, I think that should be more commended in this situation. Too, because also too, if he bows up to Shawn Michaels, no,
1: he's fucked either way. Yeah, no, he's in the worst position imaginable.
2: But the fact that that's why it's sad. Yeah, but but the thing is, the fact that he internalizes that.
1: Yeah, that's that's why it's sad. I don't. But
2: you say that it's sad. I think it's commendable as a man.
1: I mean, I understand his position. He had to do that. But that's why
0: it's sad. And that's people said about Chris. He was either oblivious, naive, or he just crammed it all down in there. Like well, because cool. everyone
1: knew. Even Vince McMahon. Or even the kid. fucking creeps who say or oh, he enjoyed it. Which there I there don't are people I, who I, I, I you know, don't know. I maybe they were like that.
0: groovy swingers. You know, yeah, you never know yeah. you never know what people do in their relationship or what rules they have, especially famous people who are on the road a lot. Uh you know, some people legitimately like sharing their significant others with other people. Some people like to dress up like Johnny Appleseed and have a woman in high heels stop on their balls like they're making apple cider. And Yeah, you can say it's the last time. Keep going. But next Wednesday, you're going to be pulling $400 out of the ATM again. That's right. I mean, because you're not projecting, and that's okay.
2: (laughs) But there's also a thing, too, is it may have been a situation that, like, all right, we're going to break up, but... You're still my friend, so I'll ride with you. And we don't know, like I said, you don't know what Chris was doing. And and from all accounts of, like, what Sonny, like, in her interview, they said, she said that they were broken up. That's what,
1: yeah, she said, yeah. I never deliberately cheated on Chris ever. And Whoops. <laughs> it seems like the most, it's the easiest fucking cop out in the yeah. world. No one can defend it. It's just, oh, oh, yeah, and he didn't know and no one knew. Oh, it's the perfect story. Well, for her to tell where she doesn't come off like if, shit. And it's so easy to do.
0: Whether he chose to not believe it, whatever. Whether he was okay with it. Paul, you listen to uh, Paul Bearer do his shoot. or anyone, Everyone said he was very depressed at this point. Yeah, he was his, fucked up. He had uh, Him and Sonny at this point are addicted to SOMAs, the mm-hmm. muscle relaxer. Chris had a seizure. He did so many. Sonny would just pass out in her food. And it, it bummed him out. At least subconsciously. And this is the point, if you remember the Bam Bam shoot, where they found a note in his bag that was, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, heavy maybe. or whatever he said. Uh, and Johnny suicide. even sure. said he stopped Chris from trying to kill himself. So there was something not good happening, whether it was Sunny or... And the point I wanted to make about his... the Because pre- this is maybe the lowest point of his life, I would oh. say. Yeah, there was the Sunny rumors. Yeah, there was the gimmick he didn't love. But he his neck was broken. This was literally the first time in his life he didn't have wrestling. Yeah, yeah. And with
1: Chris, it was wrestling above everything. His whole entire life in his head couldn't go out the window. Yeah, this is the first like time Joe. he's on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and also,
2: too, they were asking him to be a trainer yeah. at 24. Yeah, Jesus yeah,
0: Christ. Christ. You know, and, and,
2: and part of the reason that I took a break through training people at the high school wrestling school is because so I, you
1: get trapped in that. No, I didn't want to.
2: I didn't want to help somebody achieve their dream, a dream that I was never going to achieve.
1: Damn, really?
2: Yeah, I was like, I want nothing to do with training these people. Why am I going like, to teach them everything that I know and yeah, went through because the business is now better for them yeah, and they're going to achieve their dream yeah. in spite of all the knowledge that I've learned. So I'm going to give them everything that I went through and I'm not going to achieve it, but I'm going to give you this wonderful gift and you're going to get all the gold and all the riches while I sit here and toil in obscurity. Yeah, fuck. That, it, like, that's, that's something that I had to deal with at 30 years old. Imagine being 21, yeah, I mean 24 yeah. and dealing with that. Then like- so a point that was brought up in Pritchard's podcast that if you know Chris took that position of training and he broke up with Sonny, a few months later, Sean's out of the company, Sonny's out of the company.
1: Oh, the what if? The the what what if. if? Oh, god, and it's then it, so if he
2: pushes her out, oh,
1: yeah, it's terrible. He could come back
2: <laughs> at 25, 26 <laughs> rocking it out, man, because you could be repackaged as whatever, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. he, he could have been no gimmicks needed, in, exactly, uh, and then
0: blue, yeah. Around this time, WWF was supposed to be working on a new gimmick for Chris, but just left him on TV losing matches as Skip and frustrated with his character and I would assume the click and Sonny. He quit WWF and the story goes that Chris told Vince he wanted to quit. Vince says he needed something in writing for legal. Chris grabs a notepad, (laughs) writes, I quit and then signs it and hands it to Vince. Boom. I, I have raged, quit some jobs too in my time.
2: I think it's very calm that's 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 a very <laughs> calm best case scenario. It's true,
0: opinion. yeah. So. so, although Chris would do like some random matches with WWF, they did the cross promotion thing with uh, Brian Christopher that was on Raw. Oh, right, yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah. it was like an ECW angle. That would be the last time he'd ever wrestle for WWF. All I can hear is Brian Christopher's laugh right now. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I saw him at WrestleCon. He is morphing into his dad. It is crazy. He looks exactly like Jerry Lawler. It is nuts. That doesn't. Uh... He should play Jerry Lawler in, like, a TV movie in right The Jerry Lawler story.
2: Jerry Lawler would sue because he <laughs> would stop that from happening. All
0: right, so that's, that is Chris's uh, WWF run, a time that probably should have saw him rise to the top, but instead saw him be grossly misused, grossly mistreated. Uh, I'm not saying he should be the face of the company or anything, but you got handed he this 20-year-old been. baby with... A grown man's wrestling experience. And well, you book him like the Mexican
1: minis. <laughs> I,
2: even even during like the early days of the Body Donnas, I'll never forget Jim Ross would always refer to Chris Candido as a blue chipper. Yeah, like he always right, would right. slip that in every well, one of his matches. Like, this is a real blue chipper. And that's actually the first time I ever heard that term. Yeah, like right. I, when I figure oh. out what that was... Well, it you know, gave me an appreciation and understanding a little bit say, saying.
1: Yeah. Back so. then in the context, like, oh, so he's really trying to put him over here. And yeah, he really like,
2: like Jim it. Ross was trying to put him yeah, over yeah, yeah. and get him going. And I mean,
1: so. he, it wasn't like he had a bad run
0: He either, really. He was on pay-per-view. He was on Raw. He won a tag championship. So, he's getting his the reaction he wants every night. He's wrestling matches. I guess it's not the worst, you know, wrestling-wise, even though, you know, he wanted to be No gimmicks needed. Chris Candido would probably be in the main event scene. But Mm -hmm. didn't work out that way. So he leaves and in 96 he goes back to ECW which had now been taken over by Paul Heyman and renamed Extreme Championship Wrestling. It was there that he was part of the Triple Threat stable and uh, he would start Going by his new nickname, No Gimmicks Needed. Which I think was a little bit of a shot at the silly shit he had to do in
1: WWE. I would disagree because I think that's the entire shot. I don't think there's any kind no, of... No, I don't it. think there's any... It's, it's totally fuck you, fuck, yeah, fuck you, Especially
2: uh, when on Halloween, ECW ran a show in Stanford, Connecticut. Yeah. And it was a tag match with Shane Douglas and Chris Candido... And they came out wearing the old Dean Douglas Seriously? singlet oh, really? and nice. the, yeah. the Skip singlet, and yeah. they wore like blue Zorro masks. How yeah. do I not know about this? And Shane Was Douglas, this 97? ninety-seven in October, and Shane Douglas goes, "You might not be able to recognize us in our disguises." <laughs> <laughs> like, Is there footage of this? Yeah, it's a fan cam. God damn it! It's, I got it. Okay, I know what I'm doing after the podcast. Pretty amazing. I know what I'm doing after it's, this. It's, it's really cool. Wow. But, yeah, he makes his debut in ECW against Spike Deadly, if I'm not mistaken, and debuts uh, a move power bomb off the, the t- top damn. rope called the Blonde Bombshell. Damn, like, damn, damn. There, there are moments in my wrestling career where I've been like, man. Maybe maybe I could start using this power bomb on the top rope.
0: He took that move. Uh, speaking of the Survivor Series match, he took that, that yeah, was top Gennady, rope power right? bomb from Genetti. So yeah. who knows how long he had that in his back pocket, or you know, or the, that there's
1: that great story about a uh, Candido tells about how they. Uh, I don't think. Uh, damn it, I can't remember who was it against, but uh, they did the top rope power bomb. That wasn't even the finish. No one got pinned off the shit. And uh, I think it was some, uh, like, roll up two minutes later, but they went in the back and Kevin Sullivan's back, he was like, you fucking ruined, the, you're exposing the business, blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, shit, hold on, I gotta go stab someone with a spike real quick.
2: <laughs> but, uh, but back to, you talk about, like, he used this, this powerbomb move in WWF, yeah, like, yeah, he yeah. took it, that was another thing in, in that frustrated him in his WWE run, is that guys are saying that his spot, he was doing too many high spots yeah. Right. so he's like I'm trying to get over with the wrestling and you're cutting me off the yeah, yeah, of the yeah, knees yeah. so that's when we see all this no gimmicks needed stuff he was doing in ECW so he's had all this stuff in his back pocket he's wanted it to express himself as an artist but they're telling me I can't do this because I'm second match yep. or guys that are wrestling or stifling me or Shawn Michaels who's banging my fucking girlfriend <laughs> yeah. is telling me I can't do that so
1: I mean yeah I mean uh, The first ECW match I ever saw live was Chris Candido versus Tommy Rogers in November to remember 97. And it was such a huge impression. They put on a great damn match. But yeah, like Jake said, that blonde bombshell. He pins uh, Tommy Rogers with the blonde bombshell. And I was like, is that what everything is in ECW? Is it every move but off the top rope? (laughs) Holy shit! Because then uh, uh, Tommy Rogers hit the tamikaze. Which was, uh, you remember that, Jake? It was like a uh, Christian's weird, uh, arm DDT sitting yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, and it was like, it was those two things, and the crowd and the blue mat, and it was like my first ever real ECW match was Chris Candido, and that's why, for me, he's, he's just, he's in me so emotionally and nostalgically, and just, the, that Top Row Powerbomb just blew my fucking mind. Yeah. If you listen to him even do promos in ECW, he's just
0: so loose and like happy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, he's he's so much freer and, and just better and more comfortable. I feel he's basically shooting the entire yeah, 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 yeah. time. I mean, he... oh, he's
2: he, there's there's a promo that he cuts on Terry Funk in ECW. I'll never forget this as long as I live because it's it's an old rule in in promo cutting. One of the first lessons you teach somebody who's cutting a promo the first time, you always tell them don't run down your opponent because if you call your opponent a piece of shit, then then your you, win means nothing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, you yeah, beat okay. a piece of shit yeah, and yeah, then yeah, if yeah. he beat you, you lost to a piece of shit. Right, right, and right, another right. thing is you never call legendary wrestler like like you never call him an old man. Okay. Because what the same thing of like you yeah, got beat yeah, by an yeah. old man or you beat up an old man. You
1: got to create a competition that's worthy.
2: But Chris Candido, <laughs> <laughs> he goes he goes Terry Funk, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you, you old man. And I know in promo school you're not supposed to call somebody an old man because if you lose to him, you you beat this. But that's how confident I am. I'm going to beat you, Terry Funk, so I'm going to just call you an old man right now.
3: It's so
1: good. It's so fucking good. I mean, it's the old thing. It's like, you take the convention and the role, but then you totally flip it way hard and you just... You don't just break the rule, but you point out the rule and you demolish the fucking rule right in front of everyone. And that's but, what makes but that's it so the thing, good. like you
2: had Sonny as, as yeah. the mouthpiece in in WWE for so long, but then here he is, him being the mouthpiece, and it's like, oh my god, this guy's amazing! Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's 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 right in there with you, calling out the obvious and, and just engaging. You know? Like his promos were so good during this time I just watched. Uh, I watched some of his
1: uh, WCW footage on Nitro, and he went out there, and he's like, "And I've been in ECW, WWF, and it was so weird to see him." You know, back then you don't call it though the promotion, but yeah. he was he was basically shooting, and I was like, "Ah, oh, man, it just it's that it's that moment when you're watching something, you kind of step back, And you're like." Oh, (laughs) you know, it was just like, oh shit, Chris, you're really fucking doing it.
0: He had a ECW promo too, where he was was getting booed. And he said something
2: like, shut up. I've wrestled at WrestleMania.
3: (laughs) And they're like,
1: boo.
2: (laughs) And also too, when he was teaming with Lance Storm. Another thing they would do, this is just so much of a workhorse, even Lance Storm was. The music thing? Yes. Yeah, so they, oh, it's they, so good. They, they came out, like Chris's <laughs> music was back in black, oh, man. and Lance's was Thunderstruck. Mm. So as a team, they came out, and it'd be, it came out of the Thunderstruck and all of a sudden like Chris was like hold on, hold He grabbed like a PA, like a He would like,
1: he would march up to the sound booth guy and like grab his collar. Yeah. Grab his
2: collar. He's like, no, you're playing back in black. And then he would come out and he would do <laughs> the struts. Right? But, but he would come out of the Thunderstruck. He'd get pissed off yeah. and he would just sell the shit out of him. <laughs> but like on the house shows what they did is a lot of times is, this is shows on the hard work of Lance Storm is they would wrestle as tag team champions. They would defend the belts Chris and Lance oh. They would defend the belts, but they would have an altercation after the match, and then they would wrestle each other. Yeah, that was so damn good. There was so, there was so, but the thing is, they did this on the whole loop of the house shows. They would
1: also, I just watched, uh, they did, uh, I can't remember who's tag champion, but they would do, uh, it was Candido and Sabu versus Van Dam and uh, Lance Storm. But there was the whole dynamic of they're typically the other's tag partners, so it was that whole thing back and forth. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was a great spot where both tag partners, like where Sabu goes to tag, uh, RVD and Lance Storm goes to tag uh, Candido at the same time because they're both used to the norms of tagging people, and they they, they played that tag angle so fucking well back yeah. then.
2: but like the fact that there was like all these loops, they'd have like sh- four shows in a row, and Lance and Chris are wrestling back to back matches. Every, every, series, show. every single every yeah. single night and they did that for months. Like you could look up like all the results of the, these house shows yeah. and fan cam footage and they they used it over and over and over again. Like they were basically a third of the show every night <laughs> on <of> ECW. <laughs> and he's he's a part of like the top group in the company, the Triple Threat. Right, and right, they were right. Shane, Bam Bam, guys that kinda got shit on in WWF at the time and they were all together and they stuck up for each other then. They're they're there together now, they're on top. Also, too, like, you know, Chris is involved in the production of it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But he's also wrestling. And, obviously, he's a large part of the wrestling because, like I said, he's a third of the shows on the house show loop. So, yeah. And, so- and Jacked just...
0: Yeah, I mean... He- uh, later on we'll talk about this, but he won the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. And I had to go back and look at his numbers because I was like, he was a cruiserweight? Because he was very jack guy. I mean, he looked like a pro wrestler. You know, like, mm-hmm. when you see him, he looked like a bodybuilder. He kept himself in good shape. But it
2: also did, we were talking before, like, the uh, what he was doing in those matches in the ECW arena. Like, ECW arena was very, very jaded in, in the type of wrestling I see. And when... Shane Douglas was going on about challenging Ric Flair and, you know, saying the Horsemen ain't shit. The triple grab the thing. <laughs> they brought in Tully yeah. because Tully could still kind of go at the time. And Tully was telling people, I'm the reason that the full horsemen mm-hmm. were worth a damn. Oh, okay. And it, they thought they were going to have this big NWA old school wrestling match in ECW Arena. And it bombed. Oh, no. <laughs> bombed horribly. What year was this? I don't know this. Oh, this was, was like 93. 90, 94 is. So is this, okay, still, okay. this is still Eastern. Yeah, I, kind of. The, I, it's about it's about the time all the NWA stuff is kind of happening, or a little okay, bit okay. after. It's before. It's before Shane goes up to right, Dean right, Douglas. Right, right, right. Um, so it, it's like it's. I think it's like it's. I think it's prior to ninety five. But like he's wrestling Tully, and they're they're awful matches because uh, they're just they're just doing like what Tully thinks works, or yeah, we used to work in Greenville, South Carolina, yeah, yeah. doesn't work in Philadelphia <laughs> in in early nineties. Yeah. But like that idea of just blood and guts. Like keep in mind, like the this, the time that Chris is there, they're seeing guys like. Early Ray Mysterio, who yeah. Guerrero yeah. psychosis? Yeah. They're seeing hardcore stuff. And here, Chris is doing tackle drop down, hip toss, hip toss, hip toss. And he, there's a great spot where actually Dr. Tom Pritchard came in and had an ECW match with Chris and I'll never forget they did a hip toss spot where it's reverse hip toss reverse hip toss they get to the rope <laughs> they, they, where they get to the rope like oh he's, he's gonna hip toss over the top rope and Tom just goes boom and pushes Chris he goes I'm not taking that bump <laughs> 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 and, and the place just lost it yeah. you know and like, they were, fuck you smarks yeah like it was yeah. just and all kinds of stuff and I think Dr. Tom even took the power bomb off the top too he cool. did that's, that's on YouTube yeah just it. a great match and it was, it was good to kind of see that go, come full circle because I remember in interviews tom always felt bad for his time with chris teaming with the body down because tom's like you know i was really the veteran but i was kind of sulking over this whole circumstances yeah. and chris was going through a lot and chris was being the vet of the team when when tom's like i felt felt like he should have been the team the vet of the team but he he emotionally wasn't ready but he's like ah, i really should have been more the vet because chris Damn. was chris was going through so much so he always yeah. felt bad that he didn't stick up more for the team, but he let Chris stick up for the team because I, I was the vet. I should have done that, right. but Chris, you know, acted like a vet tr- and was a pro, damn, man. consummate professional. Damn, well, damn, damn,
0: he was. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, know, yeah, he started yeah, wrestling yeah. when he was nine. He may have been the same amount of years in, so. uh, almost. <laughs> All right, uh, final thoughts on his ECW run before we move on. Don't want to miss anything. Um,
2: there was a couple start stops. Like, he, like he goes to the. The WCW comes back Like there's When he comes back It's just not It's not the same anymore yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all the credit card stuff That's uh, listed In other interviews And he yeah, goes through it in yeah, depth yeah. So I don't think we need To cover that here yeah, 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 Just yeah. you know yeah. They get screwed over By Paulie, Surprise So we everybody <laughs> So
0: after ECW, Candido would have two runs with Extreme Pro Wrestling, not to be confused with ECW Those or were the Those are the fuckers X. that
1: tried to come in at the end of ECW and get in the front row and be like, eh, blah blah blah.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. XPW. XPW. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the title.
1: Yeah. This was
0: 2000, and he ended up winning the XPW World Heavyweight Championship before leaving to go to WCW. Okay. So, in March of 2000, he went to WCW. Whoops! No, what are you talking <laughs> about? During his stint there, he won the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, he won it April 16th of 2000 in a six-way tag match at Spring Stampede <laughs> uh, against the artist Huvatu Guerrero, Shannon Moore, Lash LaRue, and Crowbar, and for some reason David Flair was there. I, I don't know what... It was a weird match. It was just chaos. It was typical WCW. Tammy showed up, and this was like her WCW debut. She was there for like three weeks. She uh, Yeah, she helped the finish. I think it was the artist who fell off. Was she that the maestro? Is that the,
1: is that the artist?
2: No, no, no. the artist formerly Oh no, no, that's the No. Oh, okay, fuck him. Yeah, um, the, artist anyways, for, the artist is the the artist formerly known as Prince Ikea. Uh, oh known as <laughs> oh Prince my Iikea.
3: god, really? Yeah,
0: yeah. Things I, I'm glad I forgot. And later on in WCW, we missed this on Bam Bam's episode. They reformed Triple Threat that in is WCW. True. They did. They did. I did I don't remember that. At this point, I was not watching WCW uh, <laughs> at all. In fact, I don't know if there's a heaven, but Hell is definitely watching the last two years of WCW over and over and over. It is not not my favorite shit. Uh, Also, (laughs) he would have a hardcore match, speaking of stables. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, Okay, we're done. Close down the fucking podcast. With uh, Terry Fuck that ended on a farm, if you would
1: like to talk about that. Um, I think it's the only match where a wrestler has been kicked by a horse. He, did, he legit got kicked, he by, got a kicked by a horse. a Terry Funk's so fucking crazy. He, he, a did, drive he didn't it. even sell the horse kick. Like, he was just no, like, that ah, the horse no, no, kicked me. No. He sold it with legit fear. Because yeah. he, he sold it like, oh, God, I'm getting kicked by a horse and I could die. Yeah. And he, he freaks out and runs out. But, it, you know, when you feel pain, you don't go, ow. You just panic and run. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, or, but, but, or you're but, Terry Funk and you just go, Oh, my. oh gosh! I feel bad for that horse. That horse is just living its best life. I threw a
1: chunk of mud at it. I didn't mean it. I didn't I, I mean it. it. I didn't oh mean gosh!
2: I've got a horse at home too. But, it, it, but I watched that,
1: and he does the pow driver right behind the horse. Like that horse legitimately could have kicked him in the fucking head died. and died. Yeah. I mean, it, they they got a good spot. It was as good as they could, but they could have died. <laughs> All right. So uh,
0: his second way, Funk One, Funk One. Yeah, yeah, Funk One. Uh, his second XPW run was in late two thousand until the company finally folded in o three. Shocker. Uh, Candido and Tammy would also go to Puerto Rico in 03 for the World Wrestling Council, feuding with Eddie Primo Colon, and he, I think, there he got the WWC World TV title. And apparently Puerto Rico was terrible. Their payments stopped coming, and uh, fans would throw urine and battery acid at them. Nice. Not just batteries. Yeah, battery acid. But the acid. (laughs) But they had a nice condo on the
2: beach, so there's that. I mean, that's
0: good. So uh, they got the hell out of there. Candido wrestled for New Japan Pro Wrestling in 01 and 02. Let's fast forward to 05. When Chris has a talk with Dusty Rhodes about getting his life back together, getting his career back on track, Chris, cold turkey, quits drugs. And Dusty, who is the new booker for TNA, brings Chris into the company.
2: Probably because he realized that if he didn't, there'd be no place for him in wrestling. Yeah. Because a lot of the stories that you hear, because we're seeing a big drop off from '02 02 to 2005. Now, during that time, I've heard a lot of stories of Chris Candido in 2003, 2004, just being a, a mess. mess, just a so, mess. Sorry,
1: real quick. What what year did you meet him? I met him in 2005.
2: 2005, okay. Yeah, I met him newly sober. Like, gotcha. he couldn't have been a couple months sober. But the rap before was always what shenanigans Sonny was into, and then, of course, right. whatever shenanigans he was into. Even there's a story with uh, – Michael, the owner of High Spots, he was trying to do an interview with Shocker at an MLW show. When, MLW. when when Chris was wrestling there and Chris just kept coming, walking through the room because he was all pilled up and and every time, like, like oh, we're filming something. And he goes, and then, and then he would do, do it, it again, again and keep coming it. in, keep coming in, keep. And he was wandering around looking for something. And he, and that was all the interaction. Those all the interactions. Like there's this one show in Texas, in, I think 2004, where he was supposed to wrestle Sandman. And he got super drunk. And they, the, the promoter got a limousine and put alcohol in it. And him and Tammy got fucked up. And Sandman got fucked up. And they had this abortion of a match. <laughs> Like, like there's all these legends of him. He get booked on a show. The promoter would have an open bar, and they would they just didn't abuse learn anything. it. They didn't learn or anything. he would have. They just, if Chris died before 2005, the Sorry. legacy of Chris Candido would just be a guy who just got fucked up. Business ate him up, and, to and just and he just this this awful fucking like oh, he a piece of shit. Yeah, you know, no. like That, that I, to be really blunt and very honest, if right. he died before. 2005. I I really feel like we would look upon him as like eh, kind of yeah, business chewed him up, right, fucking right, right. kind it, of kind of a scumbag by if the end. He didn't head. have
1: his redemption but, opportunity. I mean, of course, that's which, how you got. But but the
2: thing is, it wasn't. You say his redemption opportunity. It's the strength. Like you, we're, we're talking about 2005, and he what he passed away in April of.
1: Yeah, we're
0: like, getting towards the end. Yeah, we're
2: talking like a few few months, but the the good that he did. In this few months, like it, like it, it shocks me to think that like maybe in January, but this this spread right here, or even like it probably might have been even like a little bit of two thousand four. He was probably realizing the jig is up, but yeah. I think it was two thousand five is when I met him, and this feels like an entire year right. of yeah. good work, so good deeds. God damn, like and I, uh, he, I met him. At a NWA Mid South No Limit show, the, the Ritters were running a, a promotion in Downport, Iowa, and they had a loose working relationship with IW Mid South, which Chris just started working for them. I think maybe in December of '04. That was Ian Rotten's thing. Yeah, and and I remember I remember Sonny bitching about when Chris would go work for Ian. Because sometimes the houses wouldn't be all that great. And he was like, hey, I can't pay you. Right, whatever. Right, right. Agreed upon. So he's, but he didn't give a shit. He didn't give a shit because he was wrestling. And, yeah. and of course, Tammy be like, what the fuck? You're supposed to get paid. And he yeah. goes, yeah, but see, there's only 20 people. There was no money The match to get. was good. And, and he's like, because <laughs> there's a, there's actually like a match on the network where you see Chris Candido wrestle Matt Seidel in front of less than 20 people. Damn. And Chris was oh, just...
1: damn. I've- forgot to watch the damn match you told me with Jimmy Jacobs. Yeah, you gotta watch. and that was the thing.
2: They brought him in. I got to watch that match. He, I think he wrestled Jimmy Jacobs for the NWA Midwest title. Yeah. And, and um, goddamn, the match that Chris had with Jimmy Jacobs. I, I highly recommend everybody that has the High spots Wrestling Network. Go out of your way to see that match. Well, press the date and shit. Yeah, I, I remember. I think that might have been January, if I'm not mistaken, of 2005. Or it might have been December. Whatever but whatever it was. But I don't that I remember meeting Chris and Chris was the first ever wrestling superstar. anybody that ever had any T V time. Right. Now granted like most of the people that I was on shows with were like Matt Seidel, the right. I was on a show with Punk Cabana, Christopher Daniels, Chris Saban. But B. at Williams, that time. But like somebody who had been coming it, up. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. This guy was on WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> As he's so mentioned already. Um, and he, he showed up in a button up blue baby powder, blue dress shirt and gray slacks, which I found out later he referred to as his Ric Flair clothes because uh, yeah, yeah. he felt like oh, these are my Ric Flair clothes yeah. and he had still had the WWF eight by tens with him holding up the, 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 the championship belt. And I'm like, man, this looks so cool. And oh, I'm like, Christ. and I'll never forget it was, uh, we got changed in the side room off of a kitchen. And then we walked through the kitchen, <laughs> just like in comedy. Yeah,
1: this go, is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. To, to
2: go to the ring, and there was a sink with a uh, mirror right in front of it. And uh, I was just kind of standing in the mirror, just kind of looking, because I was about ready to go out two matches later to make sure I was okay. But Chris was before me, and I'll never forget Chris. like saw I was in front of the mirror, and Chris was like, excuse me. He grabbed a step ladder, stepped up on the stepladder, and started checking his hair. But the thing is, the only people that are in this kitchen. Yeah, he's doing a bit just for this. He's two doing of a you. bit just for me. <laughs> I'm a fucking nobody. I'm only on this show because I set up the ring. Oh. And he he's wrestling Jimmy Jacobs oh. like uh, somebody he somebody who Bobby the Brain Heen in months earlier said shouldn't have been in the business whatsoever because he was too small. Talking like, about
1: Jacobs? Yeah. Chris, Sorry, uh, was it uh, IW Mid-South No Limits? Yes. That that was the show? It was the show.
2: I believe it was in like, uh, I can't remember, it was Moline. It was just across the river. Rock Island. It was in Rock Island, Illinois. And uh, (laughs) Chris just put on this amazing fucking match with Jimmy Jacobs. Put him over so good. I think Chris ended up winning because they were going to put the NWA belt on him. And, like, somebody had a Liger mask in the audience. And, like, Chris put on a Liger mask <laughs> and then started doing Liger moves, uh-huh. like, mid-match. Like, just crazy, just unbelievable. Palm, like, palm strike? Oh, yeah, palm strike. Like, just, I just was sitting there in awe of like, man, I met Chris Candido. And yeah. that was some, like, just the coolest interaction. So, then months later when I found out he was doing a seminar at RCW, I was like, oh, I have to take the seminar.
1: What's RCW?
2: It was, um... I think it was Revolution Championship Wrestling out of LaSalle, Illinois. Punk used to wrestle on it all the time. And the night before was another No Limit show that Chris was also on. And I wrestled in the opening match, and I was a babyface that night, which I'm also an awful babyface. But that night, I had a lot of fire. I did a lot of fist pumps. which oh, yeah. The review of the match is Jake Manning does, oh Mr. Elite does too many fist pumps. <laughs> you know, like like fist. Pu- what's
1: a what's a good number? It's an I don't know, number. but I, I had an erratic amount. Looking yes. back on,
2: I definitely had a lot, but I tried to show a lot of fire. And I remember Chris, because um, Ian was in the back. And I was trying to get into actual Idaho in Mid-South. And I remember Chris sat at the gimmick table because we are opening match and saw the match and goes in front of Ian, the promoter, and everybody else, like, Ian, did you see that match? These guys in the opener. And he pointed right at us. Like, Those guys had a great match. God, you got to do something with these guys. Fuck. And the thing uh. is, like, Chandler McClure was a guy I wrestled and he'd already been kind of doing some stuff with Ian. So, like, Ian was like, oh, I'll do some more stuff with Chandler. Fuck this ring <laughs> guy. <laughs> but then the next day I had the, had the seminar with him, and I was more of a natural heel, so I was doing some spots, and I was doing some heel stuff. And, like, Chris was like, oh, you're a natural. You were a baby face last night. You're a natural heel. Oh, this is great. And then he started telling that story about, like, he's like, I was the worst fucking baby face ever. <laughs> and he just he just talked. And, like, there were so many things that I, like I got out of that seminar. Like, I remember him talking about – um, he's like you, you always gotta be ready. Right. You always gotta be ready, You always gotta be in shape. Because you, you never know when you get that call. Always have your bag ready because you yeah. never know when you get that call last second and you need an extra guy and you get out and go and that, that's something that's always stuck with me for my entire life. And then he was like he goes, You never know because he said he was traveling this one guy, Thunderbolt. He goes, You never know where you're gonna run to a promoter that might have a thing for weather. You know what I'm saying? And he might huh. book you. So like you gotta you gotta be around and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> for weather. Yeah. And and just like the fact that, like, he spoke up for me.
1: That's big, man.
2: When I was a fucking nobody. Yeah. He didn't fucking know me from, I was just a fucking guy setting up the ring. And he went out of his way to try and help me and make my life, my career that was just starting just a little bit better. And just even that time he was doing a little bit just to make me laugh, make my life a, a, a little better. Yeah, and, and all he wanted to do was do that and have an awesome match that night. And that's just that, that's what I know about him. And, and a story that I, I've told other times is is I remember him. I know he was kind of a sober person, but I also know that he liked to he liked to get party. A little, he, no, you he like to get a little high. Oh, okay. He'd like to get a little high. And then, then that fit under
1: the party thing, or is party more of a uh, drinking thing? drinking? But he he didn't he wasn't no, no, like, he was, more drinking. And
2: cocaine. No, no. <laughs> no we... he he would not much of a drinker, but he I know he would get he'd smoke a little bit yeah. with Ed Schumann on the way to the shows. And Ed Schumann had a nice big Cadillac. Who was but Ed Schumann? Uh... He ran NWA Midwest. Um, uh, he he had an affiliation with I think like Reggie Parks and like the belt makers in that area. Gotcha. And he's a, a good promoter in the area. Great guy. I like Ed Schumann. I think Ed Schumann liked me considerably. And I remember Chris had just gotten that deal with TNA. And I remember Chris in, in the summer we were talking about his match with AJ Styles. There's, there's things that Chris told me out of that match is AJ wanted to do all these things and he's like trying to make this, this match great. And Chris was like, Chris no, kind of no. like
1: talked him down. Anyway. Talked him
2: down. And he was like, no, what you need to do is you go for your big drop kick, which everybody does. I'll just the ropes. That'll be the cutoff. And then when you hit that on your comeback. it even bigger. Even bigger. Yeah. And I still, I still use that and still teach that to kids these days. Right. Because of what Chris Candido said about it. And and he said when he got to the back it was like coming back like Flair coming back after You're like it's brilliant it's brilliant. brilliant it's brilliant it's a great idea and I remember Chris was coming in for an NWA Midwest show that I wasn't booked on like at that moment in time like I was kind of I was kind of exposed that I wasn't really properly trained quite yeah. yet <laughs> and but I but I, I know I just if I had another opportunity I would have done a little bit better which yeah. obviously the other opportunity was driving halfway across the country <laughs> but before I got to that I was like well. If Chris likes to smoke, <laughs> I, I live at a college. I can get him some weed. Yeah. I have an S10 pickup. I know it's not a Cadillac, but maybe, maybe, or maybe I got this relationship. So I was going to go to this NWA Midwest show with the only intent to be like, Chris, I will drive you to every Mid Midwest show, <laughs> any show in the Midwest. You tell me where you're flying in. If you tell me you're flying in Minneapolis, I will, I will drive you I to Wisconsin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and if you say you want some smoke? Boom, I'll, got you I'll, covered. An un, 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 unlimited amount. <laughs> just maybe if I can get on a couple of shows or not, just be around you, listen. I just want to be around you in your atmosphere. Yeah. And that was like what what my plan was yeah, I, when I was going to see him. But th- that was the show that he died just right before. Fuck. I mean, he would have told me no. They chose me, like, it would have a crazy thing. But I don't know. It seems like, I
1: mean, like you say, it, it seems like he reminded me of like how... The reputation I've heard about Terry Funk, like, if you ask Terry Funk something, he's like, oh, shit, I guess I gotta do it, you know? <laughs> but, but, it seems like with Candido, I mean, he kind of seemed like the same way, I mean... But
2: even even if, like, I still went off to the Midwest and he was still alive and we ran into each other, I would love to just just grab him by the arm and just tell him the story that I just said on this podcast to him, you know, because I still need to do that for Christopher Dane as one of these days, because he did some, some other stuff for me as well, yeah. but Chris did it in a much bigger way. And it just like, nobody does that. Damn. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. But it wasn't until like probably in the last two or three years that I've taken some of these lessons that I learned from Chris during this time. And that's why I had to get over those feelings of, all right, I'm going to teach somebody something yeah. because it's the right thing to do. Because yeah. that's what Chris, Chris would do in his later years. He would teach somebody or give somebody help. He wouldn't have done it when he was 24, yeah. but you know you you got to look out for people and those little things go a long way for people and like these little things that these little interactions with chris have like carried me through sure. and probably yeah. made me a better wrestler and a definitely a better human being and if i can give somebody one or two, th- two or three things like what chris gave me maybe we can make this whole thing not suck so bad and
0: right, man. it's nice to hear stories like that and Obviously, Chris's death is a huge tragedy, but imagine how much more tragic it would have been if he had died a year or two earlier, and he dies this, you know, scumbag or whatever. This Uh, guy that
2: fucks up that you book him, he gets all pilled up and drunk and fucks up a show.
0: When in reality, he's this, like, kind-hearted, you know... A awesome guy and maybe the world never knows that if he yeah. dies in Oh three sometimes, overdose sometimes or whatever. pills
1: and shit just takes over and you just come out looking bad but deep down if you're not getting destroyed by that stuff you're an amazing person so uh, let's get into uh, Chris's last few days
0: lockdown April 24th, 2005, Candido fractured both his tibia and fibula during a still cage match with Lance
1: Hoyts. And there's such a freak fucking Yeah, the whole thing is a series. I mean, of all the, like, how many spots he's taken over his life and just that one weird step. So, it is. This is all just a series of crazy
0: things. Um... So he breaks his leg in Florida, and that's where TNA used to tape everything. I don't know if they still do. Uh, After breaking his leg, he has surgery the 25th. So the next day, he has titanium plates put into his leg. So he's at the following impact taping that Tuesday, managing the Naturals. Uh, to win the NWA Tag Team Championship, and he
2: crushes it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, like his he, performance on there, like I'll never forget, he had the neck brace on. He had the cast. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's the just MVP. The of, up.
0: He's the MVP of the whole oh, angle. He's oh, the MVP of the whole. Match. Apparently, the back was just losing their mind because like he
1: felt it. that like he knew he had to go out there and it's like I'm gonna you know I'm gonna bump this up even more because of this. Yeah, right. there was pressure. So that's the 26th. Uh,
0: on the 27th. He would fly home, which would kind of escalate the problems he would have. Surgery, plane, blood clot thing? Yeah, see, I, I don't have a lot of surgeries. I also don't fly that often. Well, so saying, I don't know if that's like a thing you should know or if that should be something your doctor is like pounding well, into your Well, here's a, here's no, a a theory it doesn't that matter I have. If
1: you should know if it was a real thing, they should have pounded it your Exactly, head. right, right. It, it's
2: the whole thing of like, do you trust Sonny? But here's... But here's what i feel about it like yeah you do have to trust sunny on the thing but here let's, let's take a little bit of because a lot of this is coming from sunny and we have no other direct reports but here's how i see it and frame it if you wanted to get sad
1: is, <laughs> that's what we're here for
2: uh, yeah apparently <laughs> and it have been for almost two hours now <laughs> is i really feel like what it was is i'm sure the doctor's Because I remember Sonny saying she was going to sue for malpractice. Right, right. And then nothing. And nothing happened. But also, too, they weren't married, so I don't know what the legality of that would be. But also, too, what I think probably happened, the the doctors probably made it very clear, you can't fly, you can't fly, you can't fly, you can't fly. And Chris, being a typical wrestler. Fuck that. yeah, 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 Yeah. But also, too, he just wanted to go home. That. He wanted to go home to the woman he loved. That's why he said, I want "Fuck safe,
1: it." I want security. I just want. I'm done with this. I just want. To like be
2: like in he a probably, good they probably said, "Stay there for a week." He's like, ah, because that's what you work for. And that, and that and that's the thing that I always I always talk about. The thing that that always hurts the most is is not having somebody to come home and kiss as soon as you come through the door yeah. and and be like, "Hey, I brought in all this money. I made all this money. But, that well, we do all of this." So he can come in through the door and kiss and hug our loved ones at the end of the day. That's what you're building it for, and no. and Chris, I'm sure didn't want to wait, wait a week for that to happen. Yeah. It,
1: well, I mean, I don't know how
0: you know how long the plane ride was I, from Florida to Jersey. I'd imagine maybe two hours. Nah, yeah, probably yeah, more than that. I don't. I don't no more than it, four. I'd say. Yeah, four, yeah, yeah. But so, so it's
1: that whole thing of just just four hours until I'm. And the whole I mean, stretch, the man just and I'm had, feeling great, and just, everything's fine. He
0: was just cut open. He probably went to sleep in his own bed that night. You know, no, like, no, no. It's
1: at, I mean, it's all tied into that. Uh, I'm four hours away from being comfortable yeah. and being fine. And yeah, a oh. quick stupid Google search. There's lots of articles <laughs> where yes, this, 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 this is, is common. This knowledge? is okay. This is a thing that is talked about, and yes, I and mean, we probably should talked about this sooner. But yes, it, it increases the risk of, risk of. Uh, Blood yeah. clotting it. So, uh, And they probably said risk, and he's like, ah, oh, yeah, right,
2: Well, that's
1: not 100%. That's not 100%. I'm
0: fucking Chris Candido. So he was back home on April 28th, uh, where he started feeling terrible. He was having trouble breathing. He was rushed to Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And now there are three kind of, I guess, theories uh, or three ways people think Chris died. It's the blood clot, the pneumonia, and complications of surgery. It's actually a combination of all of them. So after Chris's surgery, he flew back to Jersey, and this is where the blood clot formed in his leg and shot up to his lungs, giving him a horrible case of pneumonia. So at the hospital in Jersey, the doctors wanted to drain his lungs, and they asked to put Chris to sleep as the procedure would be too painful. And Chris refused because him and Tammy were super against general
1: anesthesia. Sorry, real quick. I didn't do. Do you have any clue why they were super against it? Because they said that, and I didn't get, like, a backstory of, like, an origin Some, story of I why mean, they thought it's that. It's scary. They're, you know, no, I mean, I understand, but there's got to be a, a reason why they're so it. I mean, she was
0: pre-med
2: them. at one time.
1: So yeah. Okay, there you go. I don't know. She probably she heard a bunch of horror stories about probably. that. And,
0: All right. I, was, I like that. And uh, Tammy would even have three plastic surgeries with nothing but another medication. Yeah, she, said, yeah, she, medication, she had her boob job with no
1: yeah, anesthesia. Yeah, which
0: is pretty punk. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> So doctors would eventually convince Chris that he had to be put to sleep. They put Chris under. They began the procedure to drain his lungs. 20 minutes later, doctors would come tell Tammy that he was gone. Fuck. And Chris Candido was 33 years old.
1: Jesus Christ, man.
0: So his death was an absolute unexpected tragedy that rocked the wrestling world. But Tammy said the outpouring of love at his services and funeral was just amazing. Like people from the Indies, WWE TNA wrestlers even flew in from Japan to pay their respects to Chris.
2: And if you, if you hear Tammy tell the story, like it, it gets very emotional when she, says she when she looks up and she goes Chris you sold it out. Yeah even at the end of the day that he, I think, you know, like he, he would see it that way. And and, and, and like, you know, like the, it's still in that wrestler term. He would look down like, hey, I drew a heck of a house. No, I mean, believe, I mean <laughs> the whole
1: time we're talking about he's been wrestling since he was fucking nine. Yeah. Of course, I, I agree 100%. He is definitely going to be like nice
2: he'd be like man if i sold t-shirts of this like like, it's still it's still a wrestler at the end of the day and then he's
1: thinking about bookings for later when he's up there he's like man if i came back (laughs) if i came back you guys fuck
2: like like, like, that's just the consumer professional of of him you know like that's you know if he was looking down he'd probably think
3: that
1: He'd come back in flicking his, uh, flicking his hand across his yeah. shit with his ACDC plays. He's and he's Don't fucking.
2: you dare play Thunderstruck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Uh, do you have matches? Uh, I got some. The five and a half star Tracy Smothers letter <laughs> match is very good. I watched seven Chris Candido versus Cebu matches in preparation for the shit. Um, I, they went from 91 all the way to 2003 at XPW. Damn. I think. From what I saw, ECW Cyberslam '97 match was probably my favorite. That features a second turnbuckle pile driver, which is pretty rare. Um, the cage match between cebu and uh, and Candido features cebu trying a very rare shooting star press that he botches the oh, no. <laughs> fuck out of, and he like he lands kind of sideways. It's it's so nasty to watch. Uh, they did a ladder match, which is kind of goofy because the the ladder legit breaks. And they can't get up there because they don't have another ladder, so it's the whole thing of Sabu trying to prop it up so he can grab it, and it's it, it's 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 a good indie shit show. Um, yeah, I'll post my top five. Yeah, right we'll now. get uh, the graphic out. Um, it
2: better include the Jimmy Jacobs match.
1: I, I'm gonna I gotta watch the Jimmy Jacobs match because now. If, I, I'm just gonna include it now, just because Jake might beat me up if I don't. <laughs> you
2: should, and also that Heat Wave match with Lance Storm. Oh,
1: dude, no, no, I watched that one too. That's so <laughs> damn good.
0: So good. All right, uh, before we wrap up, final thoughts on Chris Candido. Go, go, Nick. I mean, I don't know. Like I, I said, it amazing worker from the littlest, dumbest detail to the highest of high spots. Uh, Thirty three is fucking brutal. He had, you know, another. 30 years to give to the business. Uh, just out of his mind. Like, forget Enring, Ring. You know, just the stuff, you know, teaching Jake off a uh, few interactions. Imagine him honed in a performance center setting or something. You know, way too young. It's, it's a brutal story to someone who, again, we should maybe be mentioning as, you know, maybe a, a top 50, 20, 10 wrestler of all time, and it's a sad
1: story, man. I just, uh, I go back to what I said about Candido like that. it sounds stupid, but the first ECW pay-per-view I watched when I was young how would I been? Sixteen? I was sixteen and it was just Nitro shit and Hogan Warrior stuff and then ECW popped up and I ordered November to Remember 97. And Candido was in the first match, coming out to actual music, not some fucking made up bullshit. But he came out to AC/DC, Back in Black, and I was like, "What is this? They're coming out to actual hardcore rock music." And he comes out here with Tommy Rogers, and they put on a great technical match. But Chris just sells every moment. And there's a moment where uh, early in the match, where uh, Tommy Rogers loosely touches his hair, and the crowd's really quiet. And Chris goes to the ref, and he's like, "He pulled my goddamn hair!" And it, it's the funniest, most beautiful thing in the world. And he hits the tamikaze, a mark for that. And then just hits the blonde bombshell and it seriously blew me away. And then just every little thing about Chris, he always made everything entertaining as hell. And the in-betweens between the match, the the, the spots, which Jake's talked about, Chris nailed. And I always loved about, about Chris. He just always made every in-between detail moment good. And, yeah, fuck. Too bad he went so soon.
2: We are almost at two hours (laughs) on this podcast. (laughs) And you guys never met Chris. I had maybe five interactions with him. And we could probably talk another out. (laughs) I don't know if I would be the type of wrestler that I am today. But f- forget, you know, what what I've done, haven't done, could done, what people think, what it, perception, any of that. But the fact that, like, the things that I tell my students are words that are exactly from a man that I met for a few hours and a handful of times. And I think about probably every time when when people tell me, like, ah, you look like you're having fun in there. I always think of Chris Candido because he always looked like he was having fun and doing exactly what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And meeting him at a very early age when it could have gone either way for me. it really I could have done wrestling at my once-a-month fed and just been like, oh, this is what it is and this is what it'll be and, and not pursue it any further than that. But meeting somebody that pursued it As far and as much as possible. And and that was one of the things he said in the conversation too, is that you can you can do this, you can be a part of this. You just have to work hard and and a lot of things he said to me during that early phase went over my head, but it all circles right back around to me right now as a thirty-six year old man. Like he, he gave me such wisdom and and such nice things. Like God everybody treated me like fucking shit. Everybody fucking treated me like shit in 2005. Everybody sat on the opposite end of the locker room of me. And they were all guys that hadn't really done anything. They all felt that they because they had two matches with TNA, they were better than me. They didn't like me. Whatever. Because I wasn't properly trained. Because I wasn't part of this training school. I wasn't friends with them. I didn't hang out with them. Whatever reason. This guy who wrestled at WrestleMania wanted to make me laugh. In a locker room And wanted me to be a better wrestler I that. That, that, that To me the, the effect that he's had on my life Means more than anything He ever talked That I've used between the ropes Just the fact that If you just be a Fucking decent human being Just focus on having The best match possible And being a guy That people Love and like That People who have Interact with you Five times in life Can talk about you for hours That's that's who Chris Kennedy was to me.
0: Fuck. <laughs> well, let's get out of here. Jay Trotter twenty seven on Twitter. Man, Scout Manning on everything. We're at Ten Bell Pod. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Give us five stars yes. on iTunes, please. Yes, we iTunes. don't want to beg, but please.
2: Or reviews, at least. Yeah, reviews, yeah, yeah. at least. Just say
1: five stars, then the word "good."
0: Period. <laughs> <laughs> it's all
2: you. Don't need much. You yeah, really you, don't. You, you need don't much. need much.
0: And at the end of the day, if you enjoyed this, tell a friend that likes wrestling. I know how hard it is to make other friends who like wrestling. You need something to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even
1: even if you didn't like this episode, just give us five stars to be a good guy like Lie. Chris Fucking Kendito was. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Put put us the put fuck us over. over. <laughs> All right. This is Tim Bell Pod. Thanks for listening.